we're back. Yes, we are. We took a week off. We had some stuff we had to get done. Everything's all good, and we are back. Um, hope everybody had a good Halloween. And it's snowing here in Boise, where we live, so that's cool, I guess. Yeah. If you're the type that likes snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so everybody check out our Instagram. That's the place to find out information about this podcast and interact with us at mission prep podcast. Um, also please follow like subscribe, all that good stuff on all social media platforms. Leave us a review. Tell us how much you love it. Yeah. Maybe a cucumber emoji or something. Something like that. Or is it eggplant? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) One of those. Uh, You tell us how much you love it or hate it. We don't care. But yeah, please uh, maybe give us a review or something or however many stars. I don't know how it all works. Um, Yeah. So follow our Instagram. Follow our podcast. And we hope you guys are enjoying. So our guest today, Kevin. Yeah, today we've got Mitch Iverson. Um, he clearly fucks. <laughs> he owns Principia CrossFit or Principia CrossFit. Um, he also, fun fact, went to high school with me and Jake. Did we did not hang out with him because we were way better than him? That's um, true. Yeah, I hope he's listening. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> now we ran in different circles in high school. Yeah, but yeah, he's always a cool guy though. Um, yeah. No, he did some time in the National Guard. They got six years in the Army National Guard around here. And, yeah, he's expanding his business, you know, and his philosophy. And, yeah, it's a good conversation. So, And it's Principia Fitness now, right? Yes. I don't remember if you just said CrossFit Fitness, but it's one of those. It's one of them. It's, it's, he talks about it in the episode. And you can follow their Instagram and social media as well. And, yeah. So, I guess we're ready to start. Yep. All right, then. Oh, you hear it. Oh, yeah, you hear everything. Yeah. It's like the vibration of my shoulder. (laughs) Or this this chair will creak. Then you hear it. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Yeah, we're recording. It's for fucking. All right. (laughs) We're fucking. Dude, I was actually telling somebody. I've told, like, a lot of people about the podcast. So, I, like, mention it in passing Mm -hmm. to people who I know know Kevin. And I'll be like, have you, have you listened to the Mission Prep podcast yet? And they're like, no, it's on my list. Things I've never heard anybody say they've actually listened to it. But <laughs> they always say they're well intended to, right? But anyway, um, I was going to say one of my favorite things is when uh, Kevin says, that fucks. Yeah, or he yeah, fucks. He fucks. Like, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things when he says that. <laughs> Not because, uh, like, just because it's like, it's so Kevin to mm-hmm. say something like that. It's 100% <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. We, I, I think we talked about that in the first episode, how Kevin says some of the most random shit, and that's what I yeah, like about it. Yeah. That's the best part. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's yeah, no, brain wired differently, and mine somehow has these, like, neural pathways that go in, like, take U-turns. Yeah, very strong. You know? <laughs> so, they just, you know, you are just your brain. You are just this piece of meat mm-hmm. that's experiencing the world through your nervous system. You know, like, you can't blame me. Just blame this piece of meat is inside the skull, and it's just doing weird shit. I, I respect, like, the no filterness of it though. Like, like I, we were actually talking about before we started recording mm-hmm. is I am a hard critic on myself. So I'll say something. And I'm like, God damn it. Why did I say, especially on this where it's recorded. And then like someone like Kevin, he's like, I don't care. Yeah. No, I'm more like you 
Mm -hmm. Um, and I definitely, sometimes my goal, like my goal coming into like something like this where my normal voice is going to be heard is not to censor myself as much Mm -hmm. because I think, uh, if I bring my raw brain to the table, we have something to discuss. Yeah. But if I'm censoring myself the whole time, we might not discuss what really needs to be discussed. You yeah. know what I mean? That, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, when we first started this, I was doing that more because I, like I said, <laughs> I, I care too much people think, but I think as we've gone on, I'm like, screw it. If people don't like it, don't listen. Yeah. And that, you got to do you. Yeah. And if someone doesn't like the way I really am or Kevin or a guest really is, they don't need to listen. The, the good podcasts out there sell because they're not filtered. They're not. Yep. Like, so structured. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to write down and structure my entire podcast, mm-hmm. and I literally just threw that shit away, and I was like, we need to just yeah. vibe. We just need K- to Kind of the same here. Like, the first few episodes I was doing a lot of, when I go edit, I would edit out anytime someone would say something where I, I was thinking, eh, that's going to make him sound like a dick. Oh, uh, okay. Or myself or Kevin would say something like, yeah. And so I would, and I wouldn't, like censor anything but i would kind of edit a little thing just to make it not sound as harsh and as we've gone on I'm do the opposite with that yeah take that snippet put that on your instagram yeah and then everybody stops scrolling and they're like what the fuck did he do that mm-hmm. and then they want to listen to the whole podcast to get context yeah right? yeah I, I think with the last few i mean i've like kevin noticed I, i'll text him i'll say hey man it's done it's, it's edited he's like that was fast but it's because i'm not doing as much as i yeah. was in the beginning i'm going through i'm getting rid of some background noise i'm getting rid of Every now and then, if somebody coughs or something, I can get rid of it just for time wise. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not editing what people say. I, I don't think you should, anyways. Much more professional than what yeah. I'm doing. I'm literally like, I put the the intro. We just got intro music, mm-hmm. but like I just put the intro music in, and then it's whatever's left. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Which, I th- like you said, that's organic. Yeah. It's it's real. It is. It's just it's one of those things where like podcasting isn't my main thing. It's mm-hmm. something to assist my main thing. Yeah. So I don't want to like invest too much energy into something that I'm not like it's not going to pay off. Yeah. You know. So is your is your podcast that's about your gym? Yes, yeah, my what gym. You guys yeah, do? It's, it's my so Principia Fitness podcast, or I, I don't know if it's still Principia CrossFit. We're in the process of rebranding. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, and it's not even like a lot of people are like, oh, because of the Greg Glassman thing, and it's like it's not really because of that. It's it's more because I'm sick of having to justify why we're different than every other CrossFit gym in town, mm-hmm. and and that gets just I'm sick of repeating myself. Yeah, like over and over again, and I'm also like sometimes frustrated when someone walks in with the expectation of their old CrossFit gym from California or whatever. And it's like, look, we're not that gym and we're never going to be that gym. So maybe you should drop your expectations and hear about what we have. That's different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I feel like you also put up a wall to anybody who doesn't want to do CrossFit. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, we have other things that aren't CrossFit per se. Yeah. Right. So you're still doing, even if you change it from CrossFit to fitness, you're still doing CrossFit programming. Yeah, our main, our, our, most of our classes are regular CrossFit yeah. program, and, and like I've always done the programming for the gym, except for a small stint where actually Kevin's wife Bria mm-hmm. did the programming, um, but it was just a lot on her plate. She felt like so to mm-hmm. get back off, um, but I've mainly done it the whole time I've owned it, and I actually really enjoy doing it. It's one of the, one of my favorite things to do, but at the same time, it can be like getting in the way of other things I need to get done as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, 
it's mainly CrossFit. It's the mm-hmm. CrossFit methodologies combined with like just experience, knowledge, and I've gotten a lot of other certifications that like our main one is like I work or uh, I consult with a company called Active Life RX, and they specialize in like pain free fitness and. Um, if you like watch like 2015 games documentaries, you'll see like my coach mm-hmm. in there, like taping Tia Toomey and stuff like that. So like I have this direct connection with somebody who's pretty high level at getting people out of pain and letting them perform on a high level, but also without pain. So I have a lot of the same experiences when it comes to that. And, you know, in CrossFit injuries are probably one of the number one things on people's minds. And there's a lot of different reasons that injuries happen. So it's, I don't know, it's just something that I speak a little bit better about than the other gyms in town, I would think, just because of my specialty in that. Mm -hmm. Well, I know before I ever started doing CrossFit, I kind of had that outlook on it. Like, people get hurt all the time. Mm -hmm. You're going a million miles an hour for reps and all that until I went to Kevin's gym. And I realized, and maybe other gyms are different, but he was so focused on form and being careful and not hurting yourself. Yeah. I, mean, I, never, I never did get hurt. What's what's crazy is that the truth is like you can deadlift perfectly for your whole life and still fuck your back up. Mm-hmm. So it became like something I had to explore a little more because I could look at the video in slow motion and with my shirt off so I could see all the muscle activation possible on a deadlift. And I'd be like, I don't see what's wrong, but my back hurts when I deadlift. So I started having to go down those rabbit holes and then I learned a lot. So now I know better than to just teach form, right? It's more than that. There's a structural balance to each joint that needs to be accomplished in order to safely and effectively move weight at intensity, Mm -hmm. which is where I find most of the lay people go into CrossFit and they might be good for a couple of years even, but eventually they're going to hit a plateau or a frustration or whatever it might be where it's just like, if I wanted to get better at this, I'd have to be here for three hours a day. And it's like, that's not the reality. You're just focusing on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. So there's other low hanging fruit that these guys are missing or girls, whatever. Yeah. And they they can't, they shouldn't be looking at competitors as a staple Mm -hmm. because it gets in their heads. It's that envy, which causes more stress, which revolves in depression, right? And that stress is held in your upper back. You know, your spinal cord is attached to your brain. It goes all the way through your, your uh, thoracic spine. So now you're shortening those muscles. And where do you pick that up? In your lumbar. And you're doing deadlifts with muscles not contracting in the right places. You know, same with good form. If everything else is not working properly, you can only do so much. Right. And even if you look at that CrossFit main site, if you, if you break it down, you have a 70-30 extensor work over everything else. So your extensors are doing a ton of work, your hamstrings, the piriformis, your, uh, well, what's what's funny is that it should be doing that much work, but nobody actually engages those things because their movement patterns get all messed up from sitting for so much. So we're all so conditioned to sitting that our hip flexors are super tight or short, right? Um, you hear it all the time. They're short, but weak, right? Um, as you call it a lower cross syndrome, it's a big one in Mm -hmm. the personal trainer world, but. Um, basically your hip flexors are short and weak and your glutes are long and weak and mm-hmm. like everything's just weak and like cores imbalance. Like, so you have all this hip imbalance going on and yeah, so it doesn't matter if you do 70, 30 work, you're probably still overloading your hip flexors, mm-hmm. even in a deadlift, which is actually like you, the psoas is one of your hip flexors. Like that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, TFL. 
Yeah, so is in TFL. Yeah, so all these hip flexors are actually getting pissed off from deadlifting, mm-hmm. which they're not the prime movers in a deadlift, but people are using them a lot. Um, I think it's because, I mean, if you want to get super technical, it's because people bend their knee prematurely and then it takes everything out of their hamstring right into their quad. And then when their quad gets tired, it just shoots upstream. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, something I found out working with uh, Becca Chapman was. Because as she was saying, it's like, yeah, your extensors, everything's way overdone. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you're, you're in, in the post, the front side of your body is not nearly as strong. Weak chest, so the lats were imbalanced. Lats mm-hmm. were pulling too far in the back, weak chest, weak abs. It's like, damn, I can do, like, toes of bar like a motherfucker. Like, that's a whole body explosive movement. I mean, slowly contracting the abs and saying we have asymmetry, and it was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you need to turn this to, like, 60% front side of your body. So that's, I get that. Cause people were like, body was focused on the front, you know, weightlifters focus on the back. Mm-hmm. I did that weight too, too much. You also like, slung that. Yeah. I need to work on like getting my quads built back up to strengthen the hip flexor position, the abs, my chest, you know, it was like ridiculous how much I found out about how much I was neglecting by doing too much extension work, you know, yeah. too many lifting, too many deadlifts. Um, too many clean pulls, snatch pulls, you know, just fucking so much hinging in, in CrossFit. Like almost yeah. all the movements that people find sexy are going to require some sort of hinging pattern, like yeah. no matter what. <laughs> so even like when you're looking at the muscle up, the turnover is like a hinge, but um, it's not going to be loading your posterior chain as much. But then when you go into your dip and your feet kind of swing back behind you, now you're back in your <laughs> posterior chain. Like yeah. it, every single movement is going to require something of your whole body if you're doing functional movement, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you're doing a single arm overhead press, you damn well better be gripping the floor with your feet and squeezing your quads and your glutes and your calves. Like everything needs to be on for that strict press to be the most effective exercise. Mm-hmm. Right? But I mean, everybody's different, right? So what we've done is enlisted help and learned a whole lot along the way that we now assess each individual and try to find where those missing holes are first so that we can address them before they're in like group programming where they're trying to go at intensity constantly, which Mm -hmm. I vote very much against constantly going into intensity. Like I have a list of questions on the board and I'm like, basically for every question you answer no to or negatively to, you should take 10% off of your intensity for the day. So if you're coming in with zero out of those five questions asked, your intensity for the day is 50% and you feel great about your workout because you didn't fuck yourself up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's important for like personal experience for me, never having the experience in any type of lifting or anything like that is having people like you guys who know what you're doing. You can guide people. Like I didn't know what hip flexor was before I started doing CrossFit with <laughs> and I'm a driver for a living. I do a lot of sitting. Oh yeah. And they're tight <laughs> always. And that's one of my, the stretching and all that. I'm horrible. I'm yeah, mine are tight and I do CrossFit all the time. So it's, <laughs> it's been, one of the hardest things for me, because like the squat position for me, I I've told Kevin, I've asked him like, is something wrong with me? Because anytime I do squats, like I know what feeling sore is after a workout, but I'm in pain after I do anything squats, hmm. and I've been like that when I was doing CrossFit, or now I if I work out in my garage or his garage, if I do any squats, I'm like in pain for over a week. Where where is your pain at? <clears throat> the quads. Oh, you feel it in your quads? Yeah, okay. and it's it's just. Hell, and so the last, so I did a scale of Murph last time. Me and my wife did like a partner thing, 
and Kevin recommended an ice bath afterwards. And that was oh, first, I heard you talking about this. Yeah, first minute. time I ever did one, and it helped a ton. Like I was sore the next day, but I was not in pain. So you I don't like know. Should have been in worse. Yeah, and I I don't know. I, Kevin's mentioned to me the hip flexors are a big thing with squats, but like any other workout, I get sore. Typical soreness, I would think. But with my legs, it's dude. Let me let me. So this will shatter some people's brains probably. Um, if they're if they're into exercise at all, is we do a test where we test people's individual leg strength, and it's like anybody who has a struggle with this isn't exactly relevant to like the quads hurting, but it mm-hmm. could be. Um, it and I find that this is just my what I've observed is anybody who's had a history of low rack pain will do this single leg imbalance test, and we will see that basically one leg is almost twice as strong as the other leg. So it's like what happens every single back squat that you do, even if it looks perfect with great form and technique and tension and all that stuff, mm-hmm. is you still favor your dominant side, which when you're favoring a dominant side, the chances are that muscle is trying to grow. Whereas the side that you're not favoring isn't growing. It's actually atrophying. Mm-hmm. So the imbalances get worse through more CrossFit. If you're not doing those single leg work, that, that makes it. sense. Right. Yeah. And that's something I had to learn because I have a history of low back pain. Mm-hmm. Hurt my back doing a stupid, like, egotistical workout uh, a couple years ago. And uh, had, like, I think it had a total of 140 GHD sit-ups in it. And rowing, it was a, it was a couplet. And uh, I, I told myself, I was like, oh, I'm going to cap myself at this round so I could only do, like, 90 GHD sit-ups. Um, which is still kind of a lot for most people. But I was training really hard back then. And there was another girl there who could crush GHD setups. So I kind of wanted to put her in her place. She was starting to get a lot of, you know, she was starting to get a lot of like uh, momentum in her competitive career. She still is actually, but um, she was getting really good. And I, t- I mean, this is a girl who like had to do that jump in between every single under just to do single unders who can now like do a hundred double unders in a row. She's starting to try to like beat me on workouts that were more her wheelhouse. And this would have been one of those, right? She's a taller person, so rowing for girls is a, a little bit different, usually calorie-wise. But anyway, so I get my ego in the way. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make sure I do this and beat her. So I hung on and did the whole workout. It hurt, like not like a bad pain, but like it was just like, yeah, I overworked. Definitely my hip flexors on the GHD. Go to deadlift pretty heavy, like the next day, and that's when I started learning about that relationship of the hip flexors and deadlifts mm-hmm. and that back pain hung with me for over a year. So I couldn't work out with really good intensity doing the stuff that I love doing for about a year. And then I started going down that rabbit hole of single leg strength and developing some other stuff like mobility in the hamstrings and things like that through loaded stuff instead of stretching. Cause stretching is basically BS if you're not doing it right. Like actually most people just, it's just BS most of the time. So, so what I mean by that is like, your tissues love load. They respond to load. So if you do an RDL instead of a regular like conventional deadlift and you specifically focus on that tension through the hamstrings, you will make your hamstrings extend much more than you will if you just stretch for three minutes a day. Much more. Like I can take anybody who can't touch their toes most of the time and they can be eight inches from touching their toes. And I can get them in an hour session touching their toes most of the time just through tempo RDLs. If they're trained properly, like they could tolerate some some volume, mm-hmm. I can get them to touch their toes. 
if they're not trained, we're, that's not the goal on the first day, right? <laughs> like, mm. First thing is get them yeah, able to tolerate some shit. I'm having that like muscle stimulation around the nerves. Um, like even for my hip flexors, I do I do a couch stretch, but I leave my foot in dorsal plantar flexion, and then I drive my knee towards my stomach. I'm activating. Right. So so it's just so everybody who's listening who's not a nerd in fitness, <laughs> uh, dorsal plantar flexion is like pointing your toe like at the top of your jump, like pointing your toe this way. Oh, so that's that's uh, dorsiflexion. Yeah. Dorsal plantar flexion. Dorsal plantar. Okay, so no, this is this is plantar flexion. This is dorsiflexion. No, this is dorsiflexion. <laughs> <laughs> right now, they're both pointing right. their toes You're pulling your toe down. It's a <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Pull, okay. Yeah. So the opposite of what I said. Yeah. So that way, sliding right. sliding nerves through the muscle. Right. Right. Um, doing this and then I pulling my knee up. Okay. And by doing that for static like, nerve loss. Yeah. Two two so minutes. Well, if I thought I was moving it. I'm not actually moving it through. Oh, okay. I do do it with the bands, though, like prior to rowing. I see. Okay. Um, but just holding a static but driving the knee up and away, or up towards me. To your chest, uh, yeah. And uh, doing that two minutes per side is, I mean, I could go into a regular couch stretch all day and not get that. Mm-hmm. Just so, and like, I know it fucking works because I do it almost every day because I'm sitting for school. Yeah. Even though it's online, I'm sitting too much. And so, you know, teletendinitis and fucking ACL stuff coming back. And so I do that, and it goes away. You yeah. Know? Um, so, and same thing with the, stri- the uh, chest. This thing, you're doing this too much of riding, so my shoulders are rounded a little bit too much forward. So I stretch my chest. I'm not just like grabbing on and stretching out. I'm yeah. resisting against the movement mm-hmm. and letting it slide through, and mm-hmm. my chest opens up, and I can go overhead. Proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. There you go. <laughs> what he said. Um, I was, I was going to say that same thing. Yeah, no, I could tell it was on the tip of your tongue. I had to beat you to it. Um, no, it's like a, anybody who's a dental hygienist could talk about the shoulder pain that like Kevin's talking about from writing or typing too much. Like every single dental hygienist I've ever seen has shoulder issues going on because they're always holding their arms in front and up and their traps and their pec minor just super tight. And those are already problem areas for most of our society and culture. So like that particular job, like yeah. really. What do, you, what do you see with like truck driver, for example, other than being just out of shape? Like what's a common, is it hip flexors? It's, it's probably going to be the hip flexors the most. And then just the general, just uh, weakness from just you're unloaded, but you're yeah. in a flex position all the time. Well, that's like a thing. So. When, when I started doing jujitsu, because when we're training in the gym there, you don't typically start on your feet. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to. You don't want to throw someone on the ground and get somebody hurt. So we start on our knees. Okay. And so you're in that position and you're going from the kneeled position. So you're using all these muscles in your legs to move. And for the first while there, because I'm, I'm a big, heavy guy. So I automatically think I have strong legs. Mm-hmm. I'm carrying around a heavy load all day. Yeah. And we get into certain positions in jujitsu and. I'm not able to move. And I asked the coach about it. I was like, what's going on? He doesn't sugarcoat shit. Mm-hmm. And he says, your legs are weak. It's like, what do you mean my legs are weak? I'm, I carry around. The, he's like, no, you, you have weak legs. And he's right. <laughs> he's, he is right. And I had the same thing back when I was going to Kevin's gym and all that. My legs are weak. Dude, when I started taking people through this single leg stuff, it was shocking. I bet. Like people were squatting like tons of weight and then you, you can't even like step your own body weight up very well. Mm-hmm. Like it is bad. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, clearly your individual legs aren't very strong. Your hips might be very strong if they work together. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you take one out of the equation, the whole thing is shifting and it's, it's a, it's a big eye opener to load the hip flexors, like a really good stretch. We're not going to call it a stretch because it's a movement, but 
Um, if you really want to get like long-term fix to the hip flexors is what we've seen is working and what active life has also seen is working, which are a much bigger company than we are. So I trust them a lot, but is a loaded Bulgarian split squat, but you have to do it a certain way. So have you done Bulgarian split squats? Yeah. Rear foot elevated, right? Instead of letting your hip hinge. So like for those listening here, it's like, imagine your shoulders going forward as you're coming down because you're hinging at your hip. Don't do that. Even though that puts a lot of weight into your forward leg. That's what we do for like a strength game on the Bulgarian split squat. But if you're looking for a mobility game, you're actually going to keep your hip fully extended and pushed forward while slowly lowering and slowly coming up. And the big part is like the slow thing, but also loaded. So like doing three sets of 10 as heavy as possible with a really slow tempo of like three seconds down and three seconds up will typically start causing long-term changes way faster than like a stretch will. You can stretch every day. You can do that three times a week and you're going to get more bang for your buck. Is, is there a similarity? Like you said, you said lower back pain, which I do have. Right. I get it occasionally. Is there lifts and stuff like that that are better? I don't know if the right word better, but better for you than a stretch? Uh, I mean, almost no stretch is good for back pain, it seems like. Um, I have a few that Kevin kind of showed me to ease yeah. it for a little while. Yeah, it's, well, that's the thing yeah. about stretching. So so stretching is a very temporary relief. So is massage therapy, mm-hmm. um, a lot of chiropractic care. A lot of that is all just very temporary, right? You have to do something immediately following that adjustment where you load the tissues if you want permanent change, mm-hmm. right? So stretch, great. No, it is, it's useful. Get the thing that's like kind of tensed up to be like chill, right? Then you can go through the proper movement at the proper tempo and load it. And now that tissue is like, okay, this can be a different thing that I can do in the future. Okay. So it won't re-tighten up as much, right? And you still have to obviously consistently do the work. You can't just like do it once and be like, yeah, yeah it fixed me. Usually it doesn't work that way. Uh, I mean, there's a few young people that get away with that, but it's probably something else going on too. But most of the time, like you ask most physical therapists and you're stretching your hamstrings when your back hurts or like you're probably pissing it off more. Really? Even if it takes you out of pain temporarily. So that's, yeah, that's going to mess with my mind because that's exactly what I do is oh, right. stretch my hamstrings. And I mean, that's, <laughs> that goes back to like, fuck, like 2002 CrossFit Journal, which was, you know, don't stretch, squat, you know, get everything moving, get the muscles lengthened mm-hmm. out, find your position, then look for asymmetry because everyone's going to have it. Well, how many people in the original days of CrossFit worked out in a garage? In case you don't know if you work out in a garage, it is standard code that your garage floor to be built for a drainage. There is a slope. There is a mm-hmm. gradient in your on the ground. So if you have a squat stance of like 0.8 meters, you have at easily a centimeter of drop between one leg and the other. Pull the mic a little closer. <laughs> so this whole posture. You immediately have asymmetry. I have asymmetry because I work out in my garage. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have to change my squat where I'm squatting in my garage yeah. to make sure I'm trying to do that all the time when I worked out in my garage. Yeah, bounce shit out because you are doing a lot of reps and the heavier you go, the more load you have at yeah. asymmetry. Um and and uh oh this thing means that other part where where again now because of this you can start sh- I don't say shutting muscles off. But a lot of muscles become fairly retarded relative to the others around them. They need to be working. You know, like one of the ones I figured out with mine 
my issue like was why like my butt disappeared and all of a sudden my knees got worse, back got worse. You know, I went this rabbit hole like years ago, like, oh well if you look at the tension that's near your back from the injuries you have from getting blown the fuck up and you I basically have a fractured L five as well. Um it got so tight that it took my pelvis and turned it in. And so because of my back, my glutes shut off, knees get worse, back gets worse, and it's a positive feedback loop. Right. Because then you try to work out the glutes and they just get tight. They don't actually Well, I think I think they're all like with that pelvis turn underneath, they're already tight, but then they're not working when you're trying to put them in a lengthened position. Right. They just go into yeah. like kind of a spasm. Yeah. Like you're not really working them out, you're yeah. just stressing the body. Yeah. Like I've I'm, it's funny, I've actually gotten over the last few years my glutes have started coming back. And just recently they're starting to like have little issues again, sitting down too much fucking yeah. school, you know, like long labs and shit. But I've noticed actually finding a proper pelvic position. Um, and honestly, I, what all I did was focus on ruling out, you know, the hip flexor, or, sorry, the TFL, glute medius, glute minimus, and uh, strengthening my low core, doing a lot more um, leg lifts. Um, oh, actually, like knee lifts, actually. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, same. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, modified hollow rocks, single leg hollow rocks, mm-hmm. you know, finding one side is weaker. And of course, this side is the surgery in my stomach. Yeah. And then, dude, one of my favorites to do Tabata for lately is, you know, it's, that's more intensity, is the rollovers. Tabata rollovers, you're on your stomach in a Superman position, oh, okay, yeah. to the hollow rack. Dude, fucks me up, but it's awesome. Dude, Tabata, that would hurt. So any Tabata, yeah. like, hurts. I mean, yeah, actually, Tabata's do it with me. Mm-hmm. Tabata's yeah, traps. See, my, I think one of my big, biggest reasons for, like, sore back or the soreness in my legs is inconsistency. Like when it comes to actually going and working out, and that's been a thing my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I'll go on like stretches. Like when I was going to Kevin's gym, I was going for a couple of years, mm-hmm. a year, at least a year and a half. And I felt amazing. And I think it's one of those things where you don't realize how good you feel or how good you look at the time. Until you lose it. Until you lose <laughs> it. And I'll look back at like videos of me lifting at his gym or pictures. And I'm like, man, I was looking really good. And you don't, and it's the same thing when you get fat and out of shape, you don't realize how fat and out of shape you are. And so inconsistency has been a big thing for me. And like now me and Kevin live two minutes from each other and I'll go work out with him in the morning for like a week. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm too, yeah. I'm too busy. And the whole busy thing, you know, and it's inconsistency <clears throat> and it's something I, I think I talked about this on a previous podcast. I need something or somebody to hold me accountable because I'm horrible about it. There's, there's there's so, so basically I was going to ask, like, why do you feel like you're inconsistent all the time? I, like, is it accountability or I think is it something else? Part of it's accountability, but it's mostly excuses. I'm, I'll make it. I'm, it's laziness. Yeah, okay, but like everybody's got excuses. They're valid sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, and sometimes, yeah, we get caught in the excuses loop. But ultimately, uh, sometimes it's your experience in those workouts, right? Like, mm-hmm. in, in, like if you're taking yourself into the pain cave every time, mm-hmm. it's intolerable. Well, I think like, yeah. For example, when I go work out at Kevin's house, I feel amazing because I went. It was a great workout. Do you feel amazing after? Do you feel yeah. amazing during? Both. Both. Okay. And, I, and I feel like I accomplished something, Yeah. which that's the same with jujitsu when I go do that. And that's another thing. I was doing that for almost two years, but the reason I stopped that was the whole COVID stuff, gym shut down, all that. But Yeah. COVID is definitely a weird beast, right? Yeah, it is. And that was a – then we kind of made a choice as a family for now that we're not going back until – things or whatever normal is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and like I have 
I have mats in my garage to do it at home, but that's another thing. Like I'm trying to hold Kevin accountable before we've talked about it. Like let's start rolling in the garage because we hang out. Our families, mm-hmm. we have like our own little pod going on with our yeah. families, you know. And like I w- he wants me to come work out with him. I want him to come over here and do jujitsu. We both keep talking about it. Like okay, let's do two jujitsu things a week in my garage, and we'll. But both of us, we don't do it. That's <clears throat> so I think that's something I think we both need to work on. Well, uh, hold on. How much time have you dedicated to it? When, when you say, like, when you agree to this together, like... Oh, it's usually, like, a two-second conversation. And no, 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 I mean, like, how much time do you agree to, like, let's do that this week? Like, what is the goal? Like, an hour session? Well, that's typically what we do. Like, when I go work out... In yeah, so, what if you guys, like, like oh, fuck it, let's just roll for 20 minutes. Which, that'd be better than nothing. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you wouldn't get super intense, but maybe yeah. that's not what you need right now. Yeah. yeah. And I need I need a hot a hot room for sure. Yeah, yeah and I'm gonna need to warm up. I like the yeah. hot yeah. as well. That's something I learned going to the gym that I go to for jujitsu is he cranks the heat in there. Mm-hmm. And I hated it at first so bad, but I really learned to like it. I just like you feel better. You feel more loose. Well yeah, you, <clears> heat. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the and that's, reason you do a warm up. And me me coming from a, not a working out background at all. I I was oblivious to all of this. I'm, I've learned a little bit, but like when it comes to something like doing a weightlifting workout, Kevin's way more schooled on that than I mm-hmm. am. So, and he has the discipline to do it himself mm-hmm. by himself every day and do it very well. And I've no, actually seen, I've seen Kevin. So like Kevin would work out on the Saturdays and uh, we'd be doing like a bar muscle workout and he'd, he'd be working alongside like Tom, which is one of our more developed athletes. And, and uh, they'd be like on a partner workout and Kevin would just be like, Drop from muscle. And he's like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And like Tom was like, what, what do you mean you're done? <laughs> like, like, I was like, yeah, no, I can feel my core is overworked. So I should probably be done. Yeah. Like, that's like intuitive things yeah. that like, you only know from yeah. doing it for a long time usually or from having like a coach literally tell you when you feel that you're done. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing for me. Like, like I was saying, he can go out and do it by himself and his girl. Mm-hmm. I also, I'm smart enough to know I don't know enough. And I'm going to go out and do the movements wrong if I don't have somebody who knows what they're doing kind of telling me what to mm-hmm. do. Um, and I don't want to be that idiot that thinks oh, I'm a big tough guy and then go hurt myself in my garage by myself. And a little bit of it comes down to laziness and, and no discipline, but it also is uh, by myself. I don't feel confident enough to do it correctly and get yeah. anything out of it with, with any lifts or anything like that. And so and it's better the accountable it, thing. It works better in a tribal mentality. It, yeah. For sure. There, there's a reason there's it does also, and it doesn't. Right. Well, I mean, there's a reason there's like people who work more on aesthetics and some of them do go tribal. It's usually like the, the, the bros though. There's always a group of bros in like a regular gym, but most of the other people are just like thrown like fucking pulleys and everything else assisted, you know, which free weights is always the best for you. Mm-hmm. You know, even out of the endocrinology aspect of it, just those were invented for physical therapy. Yeah, I was going to say, those are those are specific to overcoming Nautilus. But yeah, so we're actually looking at cable stuff because our specialty is getting people out of pain, but mm-hmm. it's not physical therapy. Um, so we like to think of it as more integrative than physical therapy. Like, So physical therapy is going to isolate your problem, fix it. We're going to look at like overall what's it doing to you. So like that's why we do a single leg test because it's, like, it's looking at your whole leg. It's not looking at your quad. Your, your quadralis, medialis, you know, it's not looking at any of the specifics. It's looking overall, can your right leg produce the same amount of force as your left leg? And if it can't, let's fix that. So it's more integrated. We like to say it's the step after physical therapy. But how many people are walking around with one trap higher than the other? Like me, mm-hmm. like I'm super guilty of that. So like I literally, that's where 
I think tribal mentality sometimes can be a detriment because I'll, I do the programming and I'll look at the workout and be like, I really want to fucking do this so I can experience what my members are experiencing, but it's inappropriate for me. Mm-hmm. Case in point yesterday, uh, <laughs> yesterday I did like the first half of the workout where it was all meant for me. It was stuff to get my lats kind of pumped a little bit, get my trap to not fire, like really focused and intentional work with like, uh, bent over sled poles for the Terry's and then like the, um, I do like a banded bent over row. So it's kind of like pulling. So I have to actively pull my shoulder against it. So it can't activate my trap, even if I wanted to, or at least try not to, my traps will take over anything. So, um, so I was, I would do those things and then I'm like, Oh, but I got to squeeze this 15 minute AMRAP in where it's just, it was like heavy cleans and (laughs) it was just like something I wasn't prepared for, Mm -hmm. but because I knew the class was doing it and I wanted to experience what they're experiencing it. Cause I use all these excuses, right. Create the excuses myself, right. Oh, well I'll better coach this class. If I fully understand the 15 minutes of hell that they're about to go through. Right. And it's true. That's accurate. Right. But that's still an excuse. Right. And then there's also the fact that it's, it's just like, well, if I'm telling them to do it, I should do it. You know, lead by example. That, that's a yeah. leadership like one one you know? Yeah, it is. It's, but there's times where it's inappropriate too. Yeah. Right. Which is why we're more and more talking to people about their individual needs and less and less talking about like, you're interested in CrossFit. Let me throw you in a class and mm-hmm. just like see how you swim with fish. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's not, we're finding it less and less appropriate. The more and more we actually take care of people. Mm-hmm. So now we have this, like, you're going to start with personal training and we're going to really see what your body does through this assessment, taking through flexibility mobility assessment. And that is the lowest hanging fruit for anybody. If you can't flex your shoulder properly, we don't need to load it and see how it works there first. Like you don't need to, like one of my big pick ons for other CrossFit coaches is they'll assess someone's mobility through an overhead squat. And it's like, okay, what if you just tested their ankle dorsiflexion and you found out that that was limited, then you would know that an overhead squat is just not appropriate to even ask of them because they're going to feel like a failure because they can't put their knee forward enough to get in a proper overhead squat position. Right. Instead of like looking at their overall and be like, well, maybe it's your knee or it's your hip or it's, you know what I mean? Like you're looking at all these things and saying, maybe this mobility sucks, but we're identifying it joint by joint and saying Mm -hmm. this does through a measured amount suck, right? Like we need this many inches for guys and this many inches for girls. And you currently have this. Mm-hmm. And when we take it and measure it against all the other flexibility joints, we can say, okay, these are the two problem areas that are going to come up down the road. Let's work on these through the rest of your one-on-one sessions, but we're also building on like technique and mm-hmm. how to move and things like that. And by the end of those, hopefully we're in a better place or we go into like, what we call our tied class, which is half individual programming, half group workout. So we still get the tribal mentality, but we also get people to work on what they need to work on, which is huge. Like we see so much more results in that group than we do in regular CrossFit because we can hold their intensity of what's appropriate for them and progress them appropriately through flexibility, mobility, structural balance first, and then performance-based things. And then they're like, by the time they're ready for like a CrossFit class, they're ready for a CrossFit. Like they're, they're going to be not held back by mobility. They're going to be held back by load or just the fact that they haven't moved that fast before. So then it's like, 
okay, well, we could still progress that intentionally too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why we designed it differently, and that's why we're taking CrossFit on the name because it's now it's different. Mm-hmm. And when I have to take a CrossFitter who's done CrossFit for two years and be like, look, dude, like the injuries, the slew of injuries that you've just listed to me, or the they're not even real injuries because most of them don't get them diagnosed. They're, they're just imbalances. And they're like, yeah, my shoulder just hurts every once in a while. And it's like, well, yeah, we just took you through this flexible mobility test. And it's pretty obvious that if you do kipping pull-ups on your shoulders the way they are imbalanced as much as they are, you are going to hurt yourself eventually. It's not if, it's when. Mm-hmm. You yeah. want to turn the heat on? I could edit out the sound of it. I don't know about you guys. It was kind of getting cold here. Yes, chilly. My hand, I keep sitting on my hands. <laughs> so... I want to ask something real quick um, about taking the CrossFit thing out of your name. What is the whole backstory with the Greg Glassman thing? Because I, I know a little bit about it, but I don't think a lot of people do. And you guys would be more versed on it than me. I mean, as an affiliate owner, I think a lot of it was, I think there was some question over what we're getting as affiliates by affiliating. Because really all we get is the use of advertising the name. We don't get any support in how to run an effective business. We don't get any, like the level one isn't actually teaching people how to coach, teaching people how to move, which in turn can help them coach someone else. But not everybody connects those dots because they have so many, so much self-growth first. And there's a bell curve <laughs> on intelligence people. So not, <laughs> not all level ones are created equal. No, absolutely not. No, there's level ones that come in at well-intended and they follow through with what they learn and apply knowledge really well. Versus the other level ones that are like, like sometimes you're like in there, you're like, how are we in the same group right now? Like I felt the same way in the military when I was an Intel analyst and I went to my, uh, my school to learn more about it. And I'm like, who's this dumb fuck over? Like they are so fucking stupid. And I, I hear what they score on the ASVAB. I'm like, I thought that disqualified them. Like, yeah, I was, I mean, it was, it's just like that where you don't have to qualify to show up to an L1. You just show up. Right. So yeah, there's a huge difference between L1 coaches, but now like, so some of the backstory is just, we didn't as affiliates, a lot of people just weren't sure over the past, like three years, especially that we were getting anything from mm-hmm. CrossFit. And you're paying a lot of money from what I hear. We're paying a lot of money. And on the main site, they're showing uh, older people, which is fine lifting jugs in their living room, which is kind of like this implication of you don't need a coach. You just need to do what's on the site. So it's almost like, devaluing us as coaches who can teach them how to do that movement better and safer, whether it's a hundred pounds or 10 pounds, you know what I mean? So there was a little bit of that, like kind of building up a little bit. Uh, I mean, you can also talk about the CrossFit games. I love the CrossFit games, but it definitely distracts from the message of health that CrossFit started out with, which is why Glassman took all those like steps, I guess in quotes backwards um, was just because he was like, I created a monster in the games and the thing is supposed to be health. And if you look at the way the athletes train, it's not health. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's definitely misconstrued all the time amongst everybody who does CrossFit and has for a couple of years for the most part. And I know Kevin knows this cause we talk about this shit all the time. It's like such a, and like I fell into it. So it's such a distraction. Right. And it's like, if I ultimately wanted to be healthy, I wouldn't train like a CrossFit games athlete at all. <laughs> very little of what they do is they're, applicable. Yeah, they're held together by physiotherapists, dude. Like they're, <laughs> they're getting tons of body work done. Yeah. They're they're putting in, and a lot of people they don't see it on their Instagrams. They're doing the shit that we're telling people to do, but they're doing that as one of their whole one hour workouts in a day, and we're just getting people to do it thirty minutes a day. 
And people are like, I want to do the fast, hard thing. It's like, look, those guys only train fast and hard around competition. Mm-hmm. Building up to that, it's like very methodical. They're hard maybe in strength, but then they're taking away from conditioning or vice versa. Right? So it's, it's totally independently done on a, on a CrossFit Games level. They're not doing group classes with everybody else, you know. But anyway, like, so, so that was getting off the rails a little bit. And then, you know, with the heat in America of uh, the racial tendency, like the... Racial tension. Tension, yeah. What was the... Oh, forgive me, I'm forgetting the whole incident that happened yeah, George Floyd. in America. But George Floyd incident. Yeah, so the George Floyd thing happens, and then Greg Glassman kind of posts a tweet that um, was combining the problems that we've had with the reaction to COVID and the problems that we're having in the racial aspect of the world in the United States anyway. And he called it Floyd 19, which when you're just looking at his tweet, mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, balls. Yeah. Now, if you know the intentions behind it, he's literally attacking the people who were in charge of how we react to COVID. And he was, and now he was looking at how the same people are posing a new way to structure our society so that we don't, have so much racial tension is like, Oh great. The people who helped us so much big air quotes and sarcasticness around COVID are also helping us deal with our racial problems. Mm-hmm. So that was all his, his intentions were but because he only posted it's Floyd 19. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's fucked up. So it was kind of taken yeah. out of context. A little oh, bit. it was, I mean, I, know, I would, I would absolutely, that's irresponsible. Yeah, I, I remember I, saw, I saw that and yeah. I had, you know, I thought it was stupid as well as yeah. most of I, then there was there was a lot of other stuff that came out, allegations and stuff about the way he did things. Oh, after just, that. I mean, of course, right. that was the waterfall. So yeah. then, then a gym comes out with like, hey, I sent this message to Greg Glassman, and this is what he sent back. And it was just him unleashing on them about, like, you think you're hot shit? Like, and it was yeah. just like, this dude's lost his marbles. Yeah. Right? And, and so that's, like, starting to go around the community. That's spreading like fire. Uh, and then there was, you know, the other stuff. Uh, there was some, like, sexism. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. So they started saying, like, at HQ, there's, like, a sexist culture, yeah. which, I mean, anymore, it seems like that's the go-to complaint about anything is uh, sexism and whatnot, which, I mean, it very well could be valid. I don't know. I didn't ever, I was never there, so I couldn't say. I know there's, another, a, but there's a guy I follow pretty closely. He has a podcast I listen to, and he worked for CrossFit for mm-hmm. quite a few years. He was a Navy SEAL guy. Anyways... And oh, I know who you're talking. He came out, yeah, and that was Andy like Stump, which yeah. this guy, he's a well educated, yeah. very smart guy. And well, I guess what happened is somebody from the CrossFit headquarters sent him a text message saying, Hey, if you say anything, we're gonna come after you. And so he said something, and he said, Well, fuck you, <laughs> do you know who I am? Pretty much, you know, yeah. and he on his podcast did this whole spiel about oh, yeah, it. I saw that. He said, he said the, the phone number that texted me was Greg Glassman's personal phone number. Mm. And he said, I've ridden on private jets with that man. I've been, he's like, I never, I remember he said, I never saw any sexism, but I had heard plenty of stories mm-hmm. from people that it would be valid. And he said, and if he wants to come after me, I have a lot I can come after him with. So, and that's probably the thing you yeah, saw. Okay. But yeah, and then I, after that, people who follow the CrossFit world see people taking CrossFit off their name. And yeah, dropping, well, it was, dropping, exactly. and I know the biggest the, names are dropping it quickly. People were and there were some people who games. dropped it right after the, yeah. the the Floyd nineteen thing he posted. Yep. I know, it was like immediate the next day, uh, Elijah Muhammad. You know he mm-hmm. is, yeah. Which he's a black man, and mm-hmm. obviously he didn't take too kindly. So yeah, I had a poster of him in the gym for him, which he was one of my favorite <laughs> CrossFit athletes. But uh, I know he took he took CrossFit off of the name yeah. of his gym, and 
So yeah, have you seen uh, this? Might be a little off topic, but oh no, I, got, I think we kind of just want to get by easy comment, but um, so he was in an episode. Kevin Hart has a YouTube channel. The what the fit? Yeah, yeah. So, so he's got. I don't know what his his channel's not. What the fit? No, it's, uh, uh, laugh, it's something laugh, laugh out loud, or something, or something, something like that. But, but yeah, but he has a, a series on it called What the Fit, mm-hmm. and there's one where they're like, go do like a roller derby or roller skates thing. Well, Easy Muhammad is actually one of the uh, background actors in that. Oh, really? Yeah, which is really funny. I saw it and I was like, fuck, I know that guy. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's a games athlete. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But, yeah, he he was always one of my favorite guys. Yeah, oh, he's a crowd favorite for and sure. I, I don't know, like I followed him on Instagram since yeah. I started doing CrossFit years ago, and I just like I like watching him. He's, yeah, he's pretty good. Anyway, I interrupted you before all that came. <laughs> Say sorry. Oh, oh, oh. programming. That was some of the. It was back when we were talking about programming. Yeah, <laughs> ages ago. Um. Oh yeah, because I do post like every once in a while. I post. Mm-hmm. No one likes them, but I still post them anyway. I'm like, terrible at liking, but I do see them. I like work them. Out. I click like every time, Kevin. I might. I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> that's I how rarely that, click like. That's how often I do a CrossFit workout. So if you see how often I post those, everything else is. I don't lift heavy, by the way. You know, I'm not some guy like cleaning like 360 pounds anymore. I clean like. If I'm feeling like good, like my testosterone is feeling great, like 135. Like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> like, I used to warm up with 135. Some plates. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't, don't let your new neighbor see you do that. It makes fun oh, of yeah. Him. Yeah. Right. Fucking. Yeah. He, he left, like, yesterday for t- or today for the World's Strongest Man. Yeah. Okay. There's, a, there's a World's Strongest Man. Heard, yeah. yeah. He's a giant. Bria said uh, you two were trying to get his attention by just doing workouts all the time. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm too shy of a person to do that. Yeah, I was but like, I did just walk up on the floor one day. And I was like, yeah, it's who from California's in this neighborhood. And he's like, I'm from California. I was like, what's up, bro? I'm like, <laughs> I like you too. Yeah, yeah, I, drove, just, I drove by his house one day. I was coming in the neighborhood and he's standing outside. And I've seen him on Instagram and TV. Okay. He looks big on there. That can be, you know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, easily faked easily. Well, yeah. what's, what's funny is that all the CrossFit Games athletes look really big. Yeah. You see him in person, they're all so small. And so this ripped. guy, he's, yeah. he's standing next to, he has a big Dodge pickup. He still looks Fucking huge! <laughs> I mean, looking down on he, he is <laughs> like he can't even wear sleeves. He's he's wears tank tops <laughs> yeah. around, dude. And, he's a, and like, I, unlike Kevin, I'm not shy at all. If I saw him, I'd walk up and start talking right away. Yeah. He lives on the other side of the neighborhood, so that hasn't happened yet. But yeah, he's a giant. He's no, I believe it. Yeah, yeah very since big we're man. like he lives like the Heather bread, man. two or three doors down from me. Mm-hmm. So for Halloween, I'm like well, we'll just start at Rob's house. The kid, those those four kids, they will walk up. And each one of them decided they were going to ring the doorbell separately because they didn't teach them the rules yet. So, like, Vivian Rain and, like, Grace Mokes up, he oh, knocks the door, then he rings. And then, uh, like, Ryder, then he rings. Rob comes out, look at the door, he's just, like, fucking, like, he's me fit in his door. <laughs> and all the kids are, like, terrified. Like, he's, like, in a costume, right? He's just so big, they're all, like, terrified. But it, just, it just popped up on my YouTube. I just watched uh, Floyd Mayweather versus uh, The Big Show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that stuff is so funny. Dude. I was like cracking up because it's like Floyd Mayweather is tiny mm-hmm. compared to this guy. It was just, it was hilarious. Yeah, that guy. And Floyd Mayweather won, by the way, which yeah. that's how you know it's rigged. Yeah, yeah. that's real. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, like, back, yeah, back to programming. Like, most people are listening to stuff. It's not, you know, it's not always what you see about the intensity. Mm-hmm. I don't, in fact, I don't exceed 80, 85%, even on those CrossFit workouts. And the rest of the workouts, I break a sweat because I'm moving yeah. and because I'm exerting energy, right? I'm, yeah. I'm applying force to weights, right? 
but most of those workouts you're supposed to make like a long distance run. Yeah, they're controlled, it's consistent yeah, effort. I, I do it's con- not controlled strength squats in a good position. Mm-hmm. I'm doing cleans, I'm looking for a good position. I work a long, a long, like all like hammer and light reps with a bar mm-hmm. until I feel good. And then I go into gymnastics. Like, hey, I want to, I want like a 50 shirt pulse in a good position. So if that takes me 15 minutes, it takes me 15. Yeah. If, if I can do 25. A, I mean, 50 pull-ups straight, that's a good amount of volume for anybody. Yeah. And gymnastics should be done like that. You, mm-hmm. you, you can't just do 10 reps and be like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. You know, you do solid reps. And then if I'm, if I'm feeling a day, because a lot of people, well, this is a lot of people's complaint. I want my ass kicked. So if mm-hmm. I'm honestly feeling that, then I add in a monostructure at the very end. 500 meter row for time. Tabata row for calories. No, no, not for calories or time. For for feeling good, right? Feeling good, right. Yeah. Like the one I go to, and this is surprisingly deceiving, try it out. But it's 10 to 15 attempts. When, you're, when your explosiveness goes, stop, by the way. That's why I'm saying 10 to 15 rounds of this. But if you say 10 rounds of 100 meter row for time, rest as you want. It's fucking gnarly because you're oh, trying you to rest a long time. That's the worst workout ever. Yeah, because you want 100 meters in probably mm-hmm. 18 seconds is a good, a decent time. Mm-hmm. If you're pretty explosive, you know, or do you know uh, uh, um, sprint intervals? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you well, can, I mean, like with programming intervals, most of the time the goal is to hit the same time every time. A lot of people yeah. don't know that, and so they'll fucking stop. go 100. percent and then it'll be like 90% because they're only capable of 90%. That's still their 100% effort. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be like 80%. But again, that's still their 100% effort. You know what I mean? Like you're supposed to go, okay, I'm going to go 85. I'm going to do the same fucking thing every time. Like that's how most interval training is supposed to work. And when you look at the like Olympics, the sprinters, how often do you think they're 100% effort? Yeah. I would say at the Olympics, like that's pretty close to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't understand that. They just like they get caught in the endorphin rush that is high intensity. And while I appreciate that as much as the next person, it's highly inappropriate depending on your lifestyle. Yeah. And most people aren't eating enough calories, they're not getting enough sleep, and they're not managing their stress well enough to hit that intensity on a regular basis. It's or like inappropriate. Eating enough calories but not the right ones, probably. <laughs> There's that too. I mean, I honestly the most with nutrition, because I mean, we do, we have something called the other 23. So we you used to call it uh, nutrition. We were like, why are we calling it nutrition when half the time we're talking about to them about sleep? We're talking to them about doing this journal exercise because they're mentally like <laughs> killing themselves almost. Right. So we turned it into something called the other 23, which implies that this is one hour of your day at the gym. What really changes you is the other 23 hours. So you should really focus more of your energy on that. So we started creating this program called the other 23 where we can plug and play these different trackables into their program. So we can say like, how many hours of sleep did you get? How much quality was that sleep? Right. And, uh, and how do you generally feel when you get up? Like, do you feel rested or not? Right. So then we start getting some trackables on these people. But I mean, when I talk to people about nutrition in my world where people are always have been health conscious for a long period of time, most of them are eating the amount of calories that a four-year-old should be eating. 1,400 for girls, right? And guys are eating like 2,000 or less. And it's like, guys, you're fucked up. So then it's really hard for me to overcome this because I can take someone who's overweight and I can say, hey, you need to eat 2,500 calories a day. And it's a girl. And they're going to be like, hell no, that's yeah, way too much food. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. And I'm going to be like, well, 
if you really wanted to see results and become healthy, you need to do this for three months. And then we could talk about calorie deficit. The problem that you're experiencing, the reason why you're hitting plateaus and other weight things and your yo-yo dieting is because that you've done that for so long. You've been in a deficit for so long that your body has adapted to said deficit, which is our whole goal with anything we do is to have our body adapt. That's what's so fucking cool about training humans is they will adapt to the stimulus you repeatedly put on them. The technology. Yeah. Repeatedly put on them. I have to emphasize that. It's repeatedly put on them. What? I think... Like when it comes to nutrition, diet, stuff like that, our generation, especially, was raised by a generation who knew nothing about it. I mean, I think back to the stuff I ate when I was a kid that, that I thought was quote unquote healthy or my parents thought was healthy, and not at all. And I've. Dude, frozen dinners were one stuff yeah, to be healthy because they had meat, I mean, vegetables, and. Yeah, yeah. And a carb. And it was, yeah, and like I'm more aware now because I'm older. And, and, but I still carry those bad diet habits with me my whole life because yeah. I was raised eating like shit. And I, like, I think back how much soda and stuff I drank as a kid. Nobody ever told me it was bad. <laughs> my parents would buy it and I'd drink it. Yeah. And do you want this or water? Well, yeah. Fucking that. Exactly. Like, right. And do I want the thing that tickles my brain or yeah. do I want the thing that tickles and my penis? Cause I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and like, like with the way I look at it, like, yeah, let kids be kids. They should be able to have fun even with their diet sometimes. But, I was raised eating nothing but shit my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so I had no idea of what a healthy diet was at all. And as I've gotten older, like I said, I'm, I'm more aware now. It doesn't mean I follow it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just think like my parents had no idea. They still don't. Yeah. They, they still eat stuff that they think is healthy. Oh, well, I mean, it's what's not. funny is how much science comes out every year that just kind of changes what people think mm -hmm. is the reality. Like what other science has proved to be the reality it's like well, our reality now is we told us last time you know the average testosterone is supposed to be between 280 and 900 right now that's because it was taken off of a sample of people who are fucking sedentary mm -hmm. the men were sedentary oh yeah because it was probably made in like the 70s or no, 80s no the recent one was like 10 years ago okay that's even worse. Two years. Yeah, even worse the one in 1950 or 1965 is right around that time frame Probably it, better. it was between like 360 and 1200. Yeah. So, um, and at that time, a 30 year old, someone already rolled like 3132, should have had a, a score roughly of like 800. Mm -hmm. And an average 30 year old right now has four or 500. Yeah. And like, that's eh, not a problem. You're healthy. Yeah. Like, no, because testosterone regulates a lot of shit. Like, your thyroid, your serotonin. How, how fucking happy are you? Yeah. You know? I mean, I heard one thing a long time ago from a, from a hormone expert, and I'll never forget it because I think it has just a lot of, like, puts things into perspective for people. Um, if you mess with one hormone, any hormone, you're fucking with them all. Yeah. You don't know how the rest are going to compensate because when we talk about the humans, human body adapting to anything, it's, it's looking for homeostasis, which is the balance of hormones. So when you fuck with one, fucking with all of them. So if you're low testosterone and you take testosterone medication, you don't know the implications of other hormones that are there. It could be a slew of shit. There's thousands of hormones in our body. So it's impossible for science to keep up with this. So you can't always just trust that that hormone therapy is going to be the thing, right? It might, it might have a lot of research and it might have been consistently tested or whatever, and it might help, 
but ultimately you could be fucking something else yeah. up. And that's well, the same thing as a calorie deficit. Yeah, well, I mean, they're basing off the big three, like testosterone, estrogen, yeah. uh, right. progesterone. And the other ones are converted to hormones through enzymes and mm-hmm. what you're eating. Right, so like there's, there's a lactate hormone, right? Like, right. And they're actually, there's a, there's a French guy who's like really going nuts into trying to get some science developed on lactate, but because um, everybody thinks lactate is like this waste and he's like saying it's actually like one of the most valuable molecules in your body so because it triggers so many other hormonal reactions and enzymes and you know what i mean so it's it's all stuff that i think we can't always just take it for what it is like you gotta yeah well like you like said with a calorie calorie deficit and it's really good for people to hear maybe if we branch more into that real quick because I've met tons of people when I go to the gym, mm-hmm. even afterwards, they start cutting because like, man, I, I need to get this with my diet. And then they start looking really good and they start feeling good. Like, God, I look fucking good. And they go leaner. And then it, then they all of a sudden they start getting a little skinny fat. Like, get fat comes yeah. around, come, fat starts coming back. Mm-hmm. I would say around two to three months out, they're feeling good, looking good. Three months later, get a little bit more fat around their love mm-hmm. handles. For the guys, they're putting it on their chest, which means hormonal change. Mm-hmm. Why is that hormonal change happening? You've now been in your deficit too long. Yeah. And now your body's slowing your metabolism down. Yeah. And now you're just, you've changed your testosterone too. You know, and so. Oh, yeah, I mean, all, I mean, like, when metabolism slows down, it is a, it's a shit ton of hormones you just fucked with. Yeah. Right? Like, um, but <laughs> I feel so sad for like our culture when I think about how much their the calorie deficits have been rammed down our throats because yes it's scientifically proven that calories in calories out will cut weight I 100% agree with it but you do it for long term you're fucking yourself up yeah. and and like I love it when people post shit like guess what four-year-olds are supposed to have 1200 calories a day to 1400 calories a day it's like, eat that, you fucking 32-year-old woman who's trying to look good in a bikini because you're not ever going to look good in a bikini eating 1,200 calories no, a day. You need muscle to keep that fat off, to keep hormones balanced, and to yeah. look fucking good. You know, and or- to feel good. Dude, everybody, everybody, you can get shredded and feel like absolute shit. Did you get the thing you wanted? Like, you wanted a six-pack, you fucking got it. Did you really get what you wanted? Because most people, the answer is, fuck, no, I'm not happy still. What's mm-hmm. next? What's right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like... Yeah. You did it fucking wrong. And our just, ancestors had were more balanced than that. They didn't live as long, but they had they had probably had better hormone balance because they were so active. Mm-hmm. You know, and they a lot of them probably didn't eat as much as we did either. But because the hormones were balanced, they could maintain muscle mass. Yeah, they still adapted. They were they were probably skinny lean. Really, if you think about oh, it, there sure. sure probably wasn't a whole lot of big dudes back then. I imagine they looked like your ultra marathon runner. Oftentimes, yeah, depending yeah. on what the role in society. Like right. that's what I love about like some of the tribal stuff is everybody had a really specific role and they had to be excellent at it or they'd be fucking kicked yeah. out, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Vikings looked more like you know they had the short, fat legs, long mm-hmm. arms, long torsos. Like I'm like your stereotypical like north, you know, uh, northern European looking dude. Maybe mm-hmm. not as tall though. Um, so like five eleven. How many calories do you think? The strongman guys have to eat to maintain that size. It's ten thousand. They said it, it on the History Channel. The schools. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, even even those guys. That you're looking at their peak at ten thousand, right? They, yeah. you know, that there's an off season for their fucking stomachs to heal too. Yeah. yeah. Like they they have to ramp up mm-hmm. to ten thousand um, because again, body's adaptive. You eat a calorie surplus for a year, you're 
going to be done gaining weight at that same amount of calories. I know yeah. one of the other strongman guys, Eddie Hall, mm-hmm. the British guy. Yeah. There's a documentary on Netflix about him. Yep. And it shows he's like going and buying frozen pizzas. Yeah. Dude, but he was, he had a lot of fat too. Now, if you look at him, apparently he's, he's got lean. He's, he's got his diet so dialed in. Yeah. He probably, he probably, what he probably did was just fuck <laughs> with his uh, pancreas. He probably got his insulin sensitivity back up. Yeah. yeah. You're eating that much carbs, your insulin sensitivity is going to shit. Yeah, he, yeah, he's like taking off season is what he did. He's pretty <laughs> cut now. And <laughs> lean. He was like, if you look at his old pictures, like back when he like broke world records for deadlift. I think he's 360. Yeah. And he's lean now. Yeah. And he was probably over 400. Yeah. I would imagine. And he was, he was fat, but he was Actually, he's probably like 380. Yeah. I, I don't think he was that much heavier. Okay. I, I'm not 100%. I yeah. Yeah. But, it, but, but, but it was like a lot, of, a lot of fat kind of thing. Yeah. I just wonder how like, to maintain the size of those guys. Yeah. That's, no, it's pretty insane. And the work they probably have to put. He has a big YouTube following. Yeah. yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be visceral, dude. You gotta be just full of fucking like, you want to fuck things talk up. about Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, like those guys are built like marauders, you know. Yeah, and and dude, and that's another thing too is the gut biome of different cultures. Mm-hmm. Some people are lean literally because they have one enzyme and another person doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like I have an enzyme in my gut, you don't have, mm-hmm. so we keep the same diet, and I'll be leaner than you, right? Yeah. That's why I'm actually I take an enzyme pill. There's about I don't take much for supplements. In fact, I'm very anti supplement. Even the enzyme stuff, I'm kind of like, yeah. But I do take one because it seems like a valid argument to like keeping your gut kind of healthy. It's yeah. just like make sure that what you ate is getting digested. And your ancestors survived. So if we eat closer to your family bloodline, maybe yeah. you can be healthy again. Like I know for sure mine is high fat and meat. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to knock veganism. <laughs> I do. Uh, <laughs> maybe I do. I, I think it can be done. Well. I think that's where supplementation um, comes in. But I, but I strongly believe that uh, we're not cows who have like this incredible amount of enzymes designed to digest twigs and shit. No. So when you constantly are ingesting, especially like I, I get it, the superfoods, but if you do that a lot, superfoods are fucking hard to digest. Mm-hmm. They're hard, just as hard as meat is. And everybody wants to say meat's hard to digest, but it's like, they're just as hard. Superfoods. <laughs> it's easy because you call them superfoods. Yeah. You should call it a plant that evolved and adapted to be resistant for you to eat it. Mm-hmm. It can resist it. It's a living thing and it doesn't want you to eat it. So mm-hmm. at some point, it's going to give you, it's going to raise your oxidative stress and try to fuck with you. Yeah. But it, it has, has a lot good of things that it's doing that too. Yeah. But meat's just, I mean, you got to get quality meat. Well, I, I yeah, tried that's that. That's the hardest thing in America right now, dude. I tried that carnivore diet. Quality. Yeah. I, I tried to do the carnivore diet. Did you? I didn't think about the fact I don't have a gallbladder. Oh, yeah. I got Gallbladders are responsible for a significant amount of... I got sick. Um, and I did it for about two weeks, almost three weeks. And the first week, I was, I was full. I was feeling good. And the second week, I started getting this, like, knot in my gut. And I'm like, okay, it, maybe, maybe it'll pass. Correct me on this if I'm wrong. The, the gallbladder is responsible for secreting, like, an acid that yeah, digests. In the, and I think it helps it with, like, better. digesting fats, too. Probably. Because I know there, there's some people who get their gallbladder removed who they have a hard time eating fats afterwards. Sure. Give yep. them a shit. Yeah. I have not had that problem. I, I can pretty much eat whatever I've eaten before and I don't have any problems. Right. I didn't mean to do right. No, you're fine. You're fine. But <clears throat> so I was doing it like almost three weeks. Second week, I got this knot in my gut. I was hoping it would pass. And the third week, it was so bad. And I was like, I just felt like shit. And so I started researching online about, because I, I know people who've done the carnivore day who had good results mm-hmm. with it. And I was researching online and I found an article about 
people without a gallbladder should not do the carnivore diet because your body's <laughs> not going to respond well. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to stop in. I've always feel good if I eat just like meat and vegetables and yeah. I, I feel great. It's if I can do that for a long period of time, but it's another thing I'm inconsistent I'm, with. I still diet. mess with diet. I still mess with it. Cause I think we change too. I mean, yeah. um, especially with the amount of like just shit that's out there. Like you could be thinking you're eating quality food, but there's just a lot of hidden chemicals and everything because of the way that we have to do agriculture and stuff mm-hmm. in order to get the mass amount of produce yeah. that we need to feed everybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm not against it, but at the same time, it can be something where you can't just eat the same way year round and expect results, right? You got to change it up. And mm-hmm. I mean, I like the idea of eating more uh, meat and like root vegetables through the winter and then a higher fruit and vegetable, like a leafy vegetable diet in the summer. I kind of like that idea where it's like you should be eating what like your climate exposes you to or would normally expose you mm-hmm. to, I should say. Yeah. Cause it really makes sense, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, definitely take advice from that and what farmers do. Mm-hmm. Don't take advice from those little fucking Antifa kids, <laughs> like who want who want fucking fascism. They want anarchy at the same time, yeah. and don't realize that they're fascists, and they don't realize that they're eating because there's fucking farmers. And they're emo kids. They're they're, they're the most be. entitled, spoiled little pieces of shit I've ever. <laughs> met and it fucking uh, kills me like you little vegan bastards where'd you get your vegetables from did you grow in your backyard oh no because you're not competent at fucking anything it's a bitching complaint <laughs> they're non-competent people instead of working on themselves and building themselves up and educating themselves they just start trying to tear everybody else down and bring them down with them that got political but tell me that you're I mean the whole feel. society is like that right like yeah. I mean god dude Facebook right now we're you know we're still in the aftermath of this election mm-hmm. and I cannot tell you how inter- I find it like a lot of people like will get off social media cause they get really pissed off. Yeah. I'm like, so not one sided. I'm the same that, that like, right. I, I actually find it very entertaining, but mm-hmm. I'm also very like, uh Oh, we're in fucking trouble because yeah. people yeah. think a flag is going to change somebody's mind. Mm-hmm. People think that expressing their opinions in a very emotional way is going to help shift the conversation. Mm-hmm. And people also don't understand the amount or they don't even know what fake news is. No. Right. So, they, yeah, they just like Russia to... and China is over there fucking yeah. lighting up our social that's, media. That's just become a with popular content thing. that it's like, like, yeah, it's content. And I shit you not, I see it because I'm like, people will post like this hard evidence that there was cheating in the election. And I'm like, dude, you guys have not done your research. <laughs> this is the exact shit that China and Russia is posting right now yeah. to get us fucking against each other. Yeah. Well, and it's, like, have you seen the social dilemma? Have you watched that? Yeah, I watched that yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, it, or at least part of it, it's, Social media, it could be a good thing. I mean, we've connected to people to do this podcast with social yeah. media. So it, it can be a great thing. You, you I use it for, my use it for your business. Yeah. But I have um, to do it because I suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, social media has a dark side to it, too. I mean, if you if anybody's ever watched that, it, it shows how there's people from other countries that can go on and... Or maybe that was not social dilemma. It was mm-hmm. something else I watched. Either way, like, say, Russia or China, for instance... Mm-hmm. I think back during the 2016 elections, there was where they'd have like a Black Lives Matter protest and across the street, there'd be an organized Blue Lives Matter protest. Mm-hmm. And the there was no people that created that. It was an algorithm. And people did join those groups on Facebook. Hmm. 
But and then they all start talking and interesting, and they grow, and then they have these two things. This organized chaos, opposing sides across the street from each other. Dude, a lot of people don't know that the enemy <clears throat> has organized our chaos. Not that, yes, that I, I don't even feel like that they're they're not even really our enemies. They're, but, they're organizing emotion because they know if we think logical, yeah. we'll have issues. I mean, well, and Socrates wrote about that. Yeah, you know, I mean. We don't listen. It's anymore. not that we we wouldn't we would still have issues if everybody was logical, right? No, yeah. saying, <laughs> by, by making everything so emotional, it's easy to tap into aggression. Oh, yeah. Aggression's like that. Yeah, aggression's addicting, dude. Well, and like this. Also, I've noticed on like Facebook, for instance, you have this older generation, like our parents' generation, probably that believes everything they read on Facebook. Oh, dude, it's <laughs> they repost it no matter what but, side they're on. Yeah. They can love Trump or love Biden, whatever. Yeah. They're posting everything they see because they mm-hmm. think it's real. And then there's a whole nother level of that where you have these older, seems to be Trump supporters that are all into this uh, QAnon stuff, the yeah. conspiracy. And it's like they think it's gospel and it's something that they're reading on Facebook. It's, yeah, the Democrats want to blame it on this. I'm not a Democrat and I can certainly tell you, I mean, so again, I didn't, I didn't deploy when I was in the military, but I was an intelligence analyst. My whole job was to know the enemy and I can fucking tell you that they know us very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They know us better than we know ourselves. And I would argue that all this disruption and chaos that's going on in our country is exactly what they want. And they don't want to attack us. They're not trying to kill us or anything. We're let, they're, they're figuring it out. They're like, they'll fucking destroy themselves. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep posting the shit. You know well, what I, mean? I think all yeah. they have to do is get that started and then yeah. people will finish it off themselves. Oh, dude, it's crazy. I, it's crazy. I mean, it doesn't help. It doesn't help when you have leadership that doesn't have good character. Exactly. Um, exactly. Because it just really, I mean, and politics aside, like yeah. when it comes to who's leading our country, they should have good character yeah. and they should have empathy for certain things. But they didn't have it when they grew up. Because and exactly. as a foundational marker, we're not doing it yeah. for young kids. We're saying, mm-hmm. I'd rather have two vehicles or three vehicles so both kid, both parents are working. And I'm not, I'm, not the guy, I'm not saying, like, well, the mom needs to stay at home and replace them. That's not at all. The opposite, sexist, but because we're so run up monster, we're so random <laughs> about wanting jet skis and boats and fucking TVs and cars <laughs> and shit. That now old parents have to work, work extended hours, they're more stressed out, and they're just like, "Hey, here's your fucking food, kids, or here's your Twinkies," and all the values are going out the window. And those kids are growing up with the values, and then they're like, "Hey, I want to be a politician because I want to be important and have power." And I realize what being a politician really fucking is. We're being in any position, person who's in that a similar position. That yeah. you're there for other people, and if you're not, get the fuck down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like we've yeah, we touched on this position on, to serve on yeah. past episodes of this podcast. Is I think most Americans are just like all of us right here. Mm-hmm. We're somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. We just want logic. We want common sense, and we want to want to be successful. We want our families to be comfortable. We want nice I think people that's, be around us. Yeah. I I mean I respect emotions a lot. Like I yeah. do. The problem is when you voice your opinion with nothing but emotion you are not bringing anything to the table mm-hmm. so so uh in politics if you want to affect policy or in life if you want to just change someone's mind about something let's say both people have to be at the table ready to change their mind about mm-hmm. it but if you're coming to the table fully seated in your argument not prepared to even look at the other belief then yeah the argument's just going to get emotional yeah <laughs> you have to come so so one of the things that I've learned, actually, this is a business thing that I learned, which is interesting. It, it happened because of COVID, uh, because I'm in a I'm in a group with a lot of gym owners. Um, these gym owners are a lot of them are on the East Coast, actually. So uh, New York, 
there's like probably 10 of them from New York, mm-hmm. or at least that really dense area where everything was shut down for a really long period of time because everybody's packed on top of each other like sardines. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically we were taught like, we need to come to the table with building that's right, not I'm right. So while I'm right that if we make ourselves healthy, we are more likely to not suffer catastrophic losses of COVID. While I am right in saying that, I can't come to the table and say, you're a fucking asshole for closing gyms Mm -hmm. because you're giving people limited access to health that is going to do, you know what I mean? Like that just closes the conversation immediately, right? Whereas if I were, and, and I can't do it anyway because I stand to gain fiscally from something, so I can't do it regardless, but if I were to lobby for it or something, it would have to come up with what can we come up with that says that's right instead of I'm right. Yeah. So that both parties can agree mm-hmm. and then we branch out from there. You go you right. go in shutting that other person down right off the bat. They're going to do it right back to you. They're ego. They, they oh, yeah. lose it because if they're wrong, then everything they've ever stood for is wrong to yeah. them, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the book they wrote now is discredited and oh my God, it would shatter their ego and yeah. depression. It's like, you know, maybe... If you get in a fucking fight first, let the ego drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I love it when you guys talk about dropping the ego with I, some jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I, I think, think that's a good trip first, dude. That's the important thing in life is... Because I think you having an ego is important, too. Sometimes you need it. Value, yeah. If you want to be value. successful at something, you got to believe You have to yourself. have an identity. Yeah. But it's also have it in check a little bit and realize your flaws... And that's something as I get older, I, I really try to, re- and that's in anything in life, whether it's yeah. how I am as a father or a husband or anything, I'm trying, I, I, I try to t- step back and take a look and I'm not always successful at it. And then sometimes I'll do the same old shit I did before and it's not successful, but it's remind people that they're not special. Yeah. Like maybe like, so Kevin, maybe you're special to me because uh, our relationship gives us to talk and advance my knowledge in fitness or something like that. Cause you take a different perspective. I can kind of hold on to what value, you know what I mean? Like that's special to me, but you're not fucking special to the world. Mm-hmm. The world doesn't fucking know you, you know, even if they do, they're not going to like give two shits if you die tomorrow. Right. You know? So like sometimes people just need to be kept in check a little bit. You're not fucking special. Like no. you might be special to the people in your circle and that's great. Live your life yeah. for them. But then you're not better than the next well, person. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I get it's, it. It's, it's hard to see your kids sad and shit, but that's part of them getting strong. Dude. So you need to tell them, Hey, you fucking suck. Hey, <laughs> guess what? You're never going to be a great wrestler. Or, yeah, you got fifth place. Give me that ribbon and fucking throw it away. Like, <laughs> I think there's... Like, yeah, we're living in a culture of like, oh my God, there's feelings. It's like, yeah, my feelings got hurt like a motherfucker when I was young. And guess what? I succeed at things now. There's degrees you know, of that. I still hurt all the time. There's, yeah. there's degrees of, of letting them know that, like you said, you're not special. But not just calling him a piece of shit, you know. Like I know you're being you're being sarcastic. Taking the exact opposite. But side of it. like like <laughs> I'm a, I'm a dad of two boys, and I do want them to have some struggle so they can get through it later in life when real struggles come along. But then again, it is hard to see your kids struggle so yeah. hard. Like I, I and now as I've become a father, even if I see on TV a little kid who's like having an issue with something. I start to feel so bad. Dude, I know. And oh. it's because I have kids. <clears throat> and I, I do think it is important to let them know, like, hey, you're not you're not better than the next person. You can be. But you got to work hard to get better than them. Yeah. And I, with my older son, back to jujitsu again, but when he first started, I, he would, he'd lose a match mm-hmm. in class. And I'd, I'd ask him, I said, why'd you lose? Is it maybe because they're better than you are? 
And he'd kind of sit back and think about it. And I said, you can be better than that. You just have to keep working. You can't give up on it. Dude, I love this. So, so is it possible to take a bathroom break? <clears throat> oh, yeah. And we're back. All right. All right. So, yeah, we were talking about uh, just like, so, so I was going to pose this theory to people. So you've heard of the golden rule, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Well, through some of the, the coaching that I've done, not, not my coaching, but the coaching I've received in my business was instead to treat others the way they want to be treated. So now they're like, I think there's a movement calling it the platinum rule. Uh, Cause of course you got to one up it for all the records out there. Um, but yeah, the idea is that you can analyze the person's personality and give them a response that's suited for their personality instead of giving them a response that is just innate to you. Mm-hmm. So like there's two, uh, there's kind of like if you create this crossroads, right? Like an intersection and you go one way, you've got logic. You go the exact opposite way. You have emotion. You go to the right or to the left instead of up and down. So logic is at the top. Emotion is at the bottom. You have on the right or left, depending on how you're looking at it, on the right, you have uh, fast and on the left, you have slow. So then you can start building their personalities around this thing. So fast and slow is their decision-making. Fast people can be emotional or logical. It just depends on what the motivation is, right? And it's the same thing with slow people. They can be emotional or logical. just depends on what the situation is. So here's how we get down to it. So a slow, logical person is going to be analytical. They want to know everything about the process that's involved and they want respect for their intelligence. So when you're speaking to someone who's analytical, you need to respect their process. Be like, wow, really cool how you came to this conclusion. Will you show me more about it? And they would love to just go nuts with you, right? Kevin might fit somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. But there's also the opposite side of logical, which is potentially where I think Kevin fits more into. And that's called the driver. So the driver, uh, while they're logical, they're also fast in decision-making. So they're going to be like, logic says this for me to get from A to B quickest. I need to fucking do this. Put me in coach, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's where I see Kevin. So if I were to try to coach Kevin, I'd say like, dude, I see where you want to be and I can get you there way faster because you're a fucking racehorse. You're going to do everything I tell you to. Right. And that might get him motivated to do the thing Mm -hmm. right now, unless he perceives that his logic is greater than mine. Right. That's where things like hit the road. But the point is I can talk to Kevin more how he wants to be spoken to Mm -hmm. rather than talking to him how I want to be spoken to. Now I'm on this emotional side of the spectrum. I actually had to be told this. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where I fit. Um, And I'm on the emotional side of the spectrum, but I'm on the fast side as well. So I can relate to Kevin with being fast, but I'm making fast decisions emotionally, which is dangerous sometimes, mm-hmm. right? As is, I would say, logic sometimes. But because uh, when you're logical and fast, you disregard emotion. When you're emotional and fast, you disregard logic, yeah, yeah, right? So that's kind of like the trade-off. So anyway, that's where I fit, and that's called the expressive. So they're the people who want to be seen, who want to be noticed, and things like that. And they don't necessarily need to be liked, although that usually is the case. Mm-hmm. There's also like, if you look at like uh, gothic people, right? Like they're expressive, right? Right. You've sleeve tattoos. They're expressive. Like those types of people are expressive, mm-hmm. which is why I think Kevin's a driver because he also likes tattoos and shit. 
Right. <laughs> so there's like a potential that he has some expressive tendencies. So I, it swings him a little bit more into that category potentially. So mm-hmm. ultimately, if I were to talk to Kevin the way he wanted to be treated, I would treat him like a driver, like a mm-hmm. racehorse who's going to fucking get from A to B quick and win. He wants to win too. I know that because we played a game in the gym one time. <laughs> I swear to God, he was going to kill himself. What, Kevin, competitive? What? <laughs> I swear to God, he was going to kill himself. I know. I, I ruined I ruin like every family volleyball game. <laughs> like, dude, like, like I'm just like every, in it, everybody's fucking square. Like everyone has their square. I'm like, that's my square. That's my square. Dude, even when we were playing badminton in my backyard with my with my two children, <laughs> Kevin's all up in everybody's face. It's just a game, fucker. <laughs> no, dude. Like, like if you're not if you're not at my level with a one man game, motherfuckers. That's important. Really proves yeah. my point, though, right? Yeah. Like, so we can start treating Kevin the way he wants to be treated, and we're more likely to get through to him mm-hmm. than if we treat him like he's a uh, a special human being who, if he processes emotions better, he might be able to. You know, that's not gonna settle with Kevin. Yeah, well, that's just like right. when you have children. If you have more than one. You know they're different. Well, that's what we were getting at. So, yeah. so, so, like when you're talking about the way you spoke to your kid. Mm-hmm. So what we'll get to. We'll, I'm going to bring it back to mm-hmm. the way you spoke to your kid with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu thing. We got one more quadrant we're missing. So uh, it's on the slow emotional side. So the other side of the slow and emotional side, rather than the slow and logical side, which was analytical, if you remember, is the amiable side. Now these are the people who really value relationships, right? So they absolutely value trust and respect for the relationship so if they break trust with somebody that's a that's going to wreck them emotionally that's going to set them back a million years let's say right um but the way you would talk to somebody like that is to talk to them about how proud of them you are i'm so proud of you for this and you have to mean it you can't so this isn't to be manipulative it is meant so that you have a a little bit of a layout to understand like for me as a coach, if I want to get through to this athlete the best way, I have to talk to them the way they want to be talked to, mm-hmm. not the way I want to talk to them, right? So if I were to talk to people like a driver and they're an amiable, that's going to actually do the opposite. It's going to push them away, Yeah, yeah. right? So I have to know that and I have to be prepared to talk to them that way. So... So that's kind of where we get at with these quadrants. So like the way you talk to your kid mm-hmm. was in... I would evaluate that as being more of an expressive. You want to be better than this kid mm-hmm. or a driver, right? You want to be better than this kid because drivers want to win, but expressives want to be noticed, yeah. right? So I want to win because I want to be noticed, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Kevin wants to win because winning is the only thing that's important. Yeah. Which it's I would argue because would my kid I was talking about and Kevin, they have so many similar yeah, personality so he traits. Be a driver then. It's, it's, that yeah. it, that's actually here recently because. Right when the when school shut down last year, my son he's twelve years old. He had a lot of extra time. He's home, so he I was taking him over to Kevin's and having Kevin put him through workouts. Yeah, and he responds so well to Kevin, and I think it's because they think Kev- a lot alike. Oh, if you've seen Kevin coach, he coaches yeah. like a driver. Yeah, and he's going to fucking tell you what gets you from A to B quick. Well, and so here rec- <laughs> here recently, my my wife she's trying to get my son to work out with her in the garage. And he doesn't, he doesn't respond well to me or her when it comes to that. Also, it's the whole, it's your parent thing. Yeah. You're going to listen to other people. Yeah. You almost need a third party coach. So I texted Kevin, this was a couple weeks ago. I said, Hey man, do you think we can start getting Logan back working out with you again? He said, yeah, let's do it. 
And I think because they are kind of similar, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of funny to watch watch that happen. And I, I think part of it is it's not your parents who are going to listen to it too. But yeah, yeah. And for some reason, we always want to. I don't know. It's almost like we want to live up to someone else's expectation yeah. before we live up to our parents, mm-hmm. and then we'll follow through with the parents' expectations well, or I, desires or whatever. I think yeah. that part of that is too. You, you're around if you're around someone long enough, you know when they're full of shit. And as much as I want to say I'm a great parent and stuff, I'm full of shit sometimes, and my kids are going to pick up on that. Yeah. No, <laughs> nobody's a good parent, right? Like, if we're doing it right, we're never a good parent. We're always trying to evaluate ourselves. We can never settle for what you know we think we are. But mm-hmm. that being said, we can't beat ourselves up to the point where it's a detriment to us being there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it is like that is that is one of the hardest things is that we are. Like I'm always, I'm like you a lot. I mm-hmm. think you might be expressive as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, because when I heard you talking a lot about some of the different things, like you're really, you critique yourself a lot. Big time. And honestly, even the first time I heard your podcast, I was like, I think our voices actually sound similar. <laughs> um, but it's true. Like we just, we are so hard on ourselves that it's mm-hmm. almost harder for an expressive to be like, look. Like, you can't worry about yeah. the emotions tied to what other people think. Mm-hmm. You have to fucking make a decision, take action, and go with it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and I, I don't think anybody lives in their quadrant solely in every situation. Like, when I'm around new people, I'm definitely more analytic. I'm just, I'm observing the room, mm-hmm. trying to come up with the processes, the way everybody responds and things like that. And that's it. When I first meet somebody, now the second time I meet them. I can go into my normal tendencies mm-hmm. a little bit. But first time, I'm definitely not going to be expressive. Yeah. I'm not going to be trying to show off anything that I can do mm-hmm. better than them unless it's having to do with my intelligence. Yeah. When I think it's necessary. But when it's yeah. like you were just talking about, I noticed like going back and editing this podcast, I'm listening to my voice, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes our voice. I notice when I'm talking, I pause a lot. And it's because I'm trying to really think about what I'm going to say. I don't want. I don't want to just spill, you know, spit stuff out, and it's stupid. Which it probably still comes out stupid sometimes. But I do. I pause a lot, and as I'm talking, I notice that listening back to myself, and like I just did right there. I'm trying to really Boom. think. Just happened. Trying to think about what is going to come out of my mouth before I say it, because I am also a person. And if you listen to the podcast long enough, people know I can talk forever. <laughs> so and yeah, and it's and I, that's another thing. Trying to learn, like not to cut people off when they're talking, especially doing this. And letting people get their word in and not try to one-up them with my story. And that's something I've battled my whole life and I'm aware of it, so I try not to. But I do try to think about yeah. what I say. Yeah, while everybody has these uh, tendencies, well-managed ones are the ones that live the best lives, mm-hmm. right? So, like, while you're a driver, if you can be a well-managed driver, that means you can respect other people's emotions and take them into account still. Mm-hmm. Because you've trained yourself to intentionally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not going to naturally well, stumble upon it. Kevin, for sure, like you said, the driver thing. Thinking back to when I'd watch you coach a class full of people, you were good about taking into account people's emotions mm-hmm. and people's differences, too, big time. Yeah, not at first, but I realized, like, it was actually as I built a rapport <laughs> with people I don't know. It's like, hey, if you can survive, whatever, like, being around <laughs> me, you know? But it. But as soon as we built a rapport, it was yeah. easy to be intuitive. Like, to be like, hey, no, seriously, stop. Like, you're being too hard on yourself. Relax. You've got this. You're doing really well. You don't need to be trying to keep up with her. 
Yeah. Dude, you're, you're doing awesome. Like, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing so good for you right what, now. Yeah, this, this is, is what I needed. want you to do. Yeah. You're doing exactly... That's why I'm not yep. saying anything to you. Like, oh, okay. And then the other person that is just, she's basing herself off of is looking at me like, why are you fucking sitting around watching me? Get back up on the bar. Because that's what she needs. That's Carly. Like, that's what you need. Get on the fucking bar and do yeah. that. And then they're like, yes, that drives them because they need that push. That yeah. they, they crave that push. And, uh, because I relate to that. I'm the person who doesn't want gratification. You know, it. I knew at you're not emotional. racing BMX when I was like nine, ten years old, I knew then, like, I can't do well with people telling me I did a good job. Because I immediately, it was kind of uncomfortable, but I would get lazy. Yeah. And I was especially in the military, like, don't tell me a good job because that's going to make me not as good. That's like, you it's know. so funny because everything I just said on the opposite side of the spectrum, Kevin's basically saying, don't fucking say you're proud of me because <laughs> yeah. I'll fucking murder you if that's the case. You know what I mean? Like, like I'll, I'll get lazy. Exact opposite I'll side get lazy and I won't perform. Like, well, I'm, I'm the type where... Because you've got to be. There is no... I don't know if you're, you're like this, Mitch, but I'm the type where I enjoy when someone tells me I'm doing a good job. It makes me want to try harder. I do... I mean... So, so there's the amiable mm-hmm. who wants to hear they're proud. Like, someone's proud of them, Right. Because it means they, they value, they, they've been valued. Mm-hmm. But we live on the same emotional side. Yeah. So, yeah, it could just mean we were noticed for the work that I we've think, done. I think people know? can, in small aspects, that change a little bit. Because, like, I relate it to, like, my job. Mm-hmm. At my last job I had, and it was a new thing to me, everything was new, I was, I needed someone to tell me I was doing okay. Because if they didn't, I thought I was going to get fired, you know. <laughs> and it was like that for for a while and I always thought like if the boss doesn't tell me I'm doing a good job they must not like me and that's just in my head I'm playing yeah. games in my head making shit up then when I got you to, need to be noticed yeah but when I got to a point where I realized hey I'm good at this and like my new job I've been there now six years not so new but when I was new I could give a shit less I knew I was doing a good job Heck yeah. I, I knew I'd go in there and kick ass and I'm gonna outwork everybody around me and I've never once needed my boss to tell me I'm doing a good job mm-hmm. and I so I think people can change a little bit. I think there's aspects that are always with you. Yeah. I think you can just like, it comes, it just comes to how people like the lesson is not learned in the, you have to live your life trapped in your box mm-hmm. of expressive. The lesson is learned and that's how you evaluate how you should be talking to the person you're talking to, mm-hmm. to most effectively create the relationship you want. Yeah. Right. So that's all it is. It's not like when I, so I train all my coaches to do these and it's actually becoming part of our evaluation form. It's like, uh, and the coaches miss it every time because they learn the lesson. They learn about these quadrants and they don't use it. And if you don't use it, then you're talking to them incorrectly. Like it's just you. So we do a lot of personal training now. And when I evaluate a personal trainer and I see them talking to them the way they want to talk to themselves, not the way their client wants to be spoken to. I have to take them aside and be like, look, this person's paying a lot of money for these sessions. You have to talk to them the way they want to be spoken to because one, they won't see results as quickly. If you don't two, they won't stick with it. Three, they won't feel confident, which is the whole point of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like you have to, so it becomes part of evaluation where I go after an evaluation, I say, what quadrant is this person in? And then if they don't know the answer, it's kind of like, okay, you know where you need to start with your mm-hmm. next session yeah. or you need to know going into that next session. Right. Um, because it, it's, we, 
as coaches, we have to get the change out of the people we want in order to see results. We have to. Mm-hmm. There is no choice. If there is a choice, we're fucking doing it wrong. Yeah. Right? There is no choice. I want it to be life and death for my coaches to get results, period. Mm-hmm. You're not doing it effectively if you're not speaking to them the way they want to be spoken to, period. So, like, no offense to Kevin, if you speak to an amiable as a driver, they will not see results very quickly. They will shut down. They will recede. So it's like you just cast away somebody who needs help. They fucking need it. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's something else I really highlight is, like, people aren't in here because they want help. They truly need it. They need to feel confident in order to effectively be the human that they mm-hmm. know they can be that's inside of them that they want out. Yeah. And if if we're not trying to bring that person to light and really get them where they need to be, both on a physical level, yeah, we're using a physical thing, but on an emotional level and whatever level, then we're not doing our job super well. Mm-hmm. Right? And it has to be taken into consideration. So I can't afford for a coach to be talking the exact opposite of that person they're speaking with. Yeah. Because... It's going to cause, it's going to ruffle some feathers. They might stick through it because they paid the money, but that's not results. Mm-hmm. Money isn't results. Right. Mm-hmm. No, so. and CrossFit, I think in general, or just that module of, or I mean, CrossFit, I mean, the way of, of pro- pro- progressiveness in CrossFit and being more personable, getting the tribal mentality together with us for the good of the bad, getting the, the standards for movement in there. Because if you just go to any other gym, they're still living in the nineties. The personal trainers are about themselves. They look disinterested in their client. Their client's not, not getting any better. And usually ever. Cause I, I, when we lived next to the Axiom, I Dude. was going in the mornings. I was like, fuck everyone here is retarded. Yeah. It works here. It's, it's pretty rough going and, into global and, gyms, knowing what we yeah. know. <laughs> and the education, the exercise science, degree, all that, there's no, there's no real discipline in, in the teachings that they have of, how to move properly, how to get something properly. That's not in it. It's, Hey, what's the piriformis? Hey, what, what, yeah. what's the ratio of carbs and protein based on the periodic table? Like, Again, it's like physical therapy, right? It's yeah. integration. You're, yeah. you're isolating a problem. You need to integrate that problem. If you want to truly solve the problem, yeah. you can't just fix their piriformis and everything's hunky dory because they had something that got them to the shitty piriformis in the first place. Yeah. No, I think that it, the whole education system around that is so fucking far behind anything. Mm-hmm. But anyone who was the professor in those sciences will talk about how much they know more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool. Demonstrate to me a proper air squat, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, you can't. Yeah. You know, you can oh, sit dude, there and that's talk to people so all day. Funny, you go to yeah. a college professor of exercise science and they can't fucking squat. Fuck no. It's so funny because it's the reality. Most of the time, I mean, it's becoming less and less the reality now. Yeah. But, but again, I mean, part of it too is because we're so close to this thing. So we can pick the fucker apart. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas we could think like these NASA scientists are doing a fucking expert level job. But like, maybe if we were as close to their thing as they are, we could be like, you guys fucking suck. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm just saying we're so close to it. It's easy for us <clears throat> to be really hypercritical. Because we do know some things and we can easily say like no or yes to something. But I mean, ultimately, again, it's coming. I got to, I ought to always come to the table with a that's right mentality and not a I'm right mentality and be prepared to learn something I'm not maybe always prepared for. So I don't like to knock anything because of that. Because I do think they're like, 
No, what, I'm, what I was knocking, I guess, was the mentality. Yeah. Because you can no, always no, learn something from somebody else. It's like going to the gyms and getting frustrated because I see the apathy and a disconnect. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why do you go to school for that if this is how you're going to act? You know, it's, it's well, the mental attitude. In the fitness industry, and this is something that I didn't know I was going to be so passionate about when I started the gym, but I am so passionate about it now, is the fitness industry is in big trouble because of that, because of that exact same thing. If you go in to see your personal trainer and they look hungover, they're wearing a hat, like I used to wear a hat all the time, but they do any of these things that imply that maybe they're not all that like taking this seriously. Subconsciously, that's how it's read. Yeah. Black and white. It's not like, oh, well, they can justify it. They know me. It's like we have a relationship. No. Subconsciously, you have less of their trust that if you were there, ready to go 10 minutes early, clipboard, stopwatch, hair groomed, right? Dressed to the nines in your actual uniform that you were assigned, right? Looking like a professional human being. And when they walk in, you don't say, oh, well, we have 10 minutes before we start. Go just like do this on your own. You're just like actively wanting to know more about them. You're listening, things like that. Like that's what personal training is. Fuck the entire physical session. It's all about that relationship. You made a post actually on social media one too long ago about the haircut. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And my own haircut. I agree with that. And when I read that, I'm like, fuck yeah. Cause I'm the type you want a professional haircut. So you feel professional. And Dude, that's I kind feel of like that's what you were getting right at. now because I was supposed to have a haircut on uh, Thursday and then I was like, hey, I have this. I had a coaching seminar this week, so I had to postpone it. And so we postponed it till uh, Friday. And then he's like, hey, dude, I had a, a COVID scare. I'm negative, but I had to be out until Tuesday. So we reached out for two. So now I feel like a fucking mop because it's like, yeah. okay, I've gone five days over my haircut. This but is yeah. brutal. Well, I think it's okay because it's, it's still the mentality behind you saying that, you know, like dress dress for the, the, the person you want or, yeah. or the, that you want to be. Like, I don't want to be. I would not feel like I was a, a well put together dad if I was wearing pant like shorts that went past my knee. That's fucking weird. <laughs> like, don't be rude. That's weird like, too. Past my knee, <laughs> like like a pair of big fat globes. You know, like I was in high school on skateboard yeah. and fucking and like a shirt that says like has that marijuana. On? Like, dude, like I'm dressing yeah. for the dad I want to be, and that's not fucking it. That's Fuck not yeah. that's not the identity I want. Mm-hmm. I want to be put together. Fucking people know that I'm a straight shooter, right? And if they don't like that because they're anti-establishment and that somehow makes me part of the establishment, well, fuck them then. You know, know. I I think about those people a lot because I don't like to outcast anybody because I truly believe everybody needs help. So I'm always trying to come from a place of understanding. It's one of my core values of compassion. I want to come from a place of understanding. I want to come from why does that expressive fucking motherfucker want to go against the grain so bad they're going to look like shit at their job. And it's, I mean, it's just some... They're suffering. It's, yeah, they're suffering from something, right? So when you come from that place of understanding instead of just being like, you're fucked hard, which is a lot easier. Yeah. And it's true to a lot of people. Like, a lot of people are suffering in a way that we're not going to be able to help them. But at the same time, like, if I can come from there first, I can better express my thoughts on this person uh, or towards them in a way that's going to be a little more constructive. But yeah, I definitely, 
it's easy for me to like just say exactly what Kevin said. Yeah, uh, it's so easy for me to say it, and that's what I love about Kevin because I know one, I know he's a driver, so it really just like lets me like I know the way Kevin's going to talk. Mm. I'm ready for it, and I value it because it does uh, bring me to the table with logic, mm. right? Because Kevin's going to say something, and there's so much logic to what he just said, mm. right? But on the emotional side, when I'm like, okay, but if I want to change this person's mind about not combing their hair, I need to understand why they didn't fucking comb their hair in the first place. Yeah. Right. And a lot of it is pain and suffering. Right. And maybe they don't value the pain and suffering. Maybe that's all it is. Right. Cause everybody's like fucking wanting to live a stress-free life and shit like that. And it's like, shut your hippy dippy mouth. <laughs> that's not going to make you happy. Stress makes you happy. Value that motherfucking thing because you can sit pina coladas on a beach for how long before you realize your life has no purpose and you want to kill yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So value every stress you have. Try to figure out what it's trying to teach you and mold you into because you will fucking propel yourself forward so much faster than whatever you're trying to be in. And it's, it's just life changing. It's life changing when you take that perspective and you run with it. When you take that perspective and you're like, fuck it, that's when it's dangerous, you know? And, and yeah, everybody's, everybody's suffering. There's, I mean, millionaire to literally can't feed themselves. Everybody's suffering. Everybody has their own struggles. And I think that's like we, we talked about earlier with compassion. Mm-hmm. It's just looking at somebody and thinking like, why are they that way? Like, there's people I work with who they seem pissed off all the time. And my first instinct is go, fuck that guy. He's an <laughs> asshole. But if you step back and you're like, maybe something's going on. Maybe he's got some struggles going dude, on. And I have no idea what's happening with him. Dude, more often than not, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I'm the type, I always, I've been pretty good at like connecting with people in my life. If, if I meet somebody, I'm, I'm going to try and find a way we can connect somehow. We have something in common somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's someone who is just an asshole. <laughs> you're, you're not going to connect. It's not yeah, you happen. can't just walk up on them and be like, hey, man, like, it's, Big Mama loves you. Yeah, that's that even worse. You know, and, that they have even more struggle than yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes you're not the person for the job to connect just with not, that person. Yeah, you're just not. And maybe I wouldn't be able to connect with somebody but Kevin could or you could. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I relate it back to work again because I, I do a lot of training. Which I guess would be coaching, yeah. you know. And I, I train a lot of new take employees. those quadrants, dude, and oh, really think about it. Absolutely, you talking about yeah. that suit would be will be super helpful because I train people from different types of life that yeah. have different personalities, and I always try to connect and try to see where they're coming from, yeah, and see why they think the way they do things. And it's the same with politics or anything. I try yeah. to understand that other side. Yeah, of and what when I'm you thinking. bomb, just don't don't fucking get mm-hmm. get upset. Just Reflect. Like, yeah. why, why did you bomb? And uh, I think it's it's good to realize other people have struggles. And maybe they're the same struggles you're going through. Maybe not. But most likely not. Each person has their own things that might not be a big deal to you. And that's going back to being a, a dad. That Your kid could be pissed off because there's something that's really important to him. And I try to tell myself that all the time. And I might not be successful. Yeah. I might be get to the point where I'm like, you know what, you little shit, go, go upstairs. Yeah. You know? It's, but... Dude, that's one of the hardest things. And also going back and saying, shit, I was wrong. And you, and I think it's important to let your kid know that you're wrong. And I've said that so many times to I, my son. I'm not good at that either. And this just happened the other day. My my older son was, he was just in this mood. And what I took as being disrespectful. And I reacted emotionally 
right away, and he, he has this pair of really nice wireless Beats headphones. So he's always got around his neck. I reached up and took them off and said, these are gone. And he walked out of the room. My wife looks at me. She's like, dude, calm down. Yeah. Like, that was... Yeah, all might. I, I didn't need to take the headphones. Hey, there was no reason. Which quadrant is your wife? Do you know? She's a hard one to pin down on, on what she is. So my, my wife's analytical, and I'm the exact opposite corner, mm-hmm. right? But, like, talk about different parenting styles. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, I, I feel you on that. Like, mm-hmm. I am a reactive yeah. force, you know? And I, I try to... I'm really trying to change that uh so that it's more effective um because reacting isn't it's sometimes it it's if it's explosive enough not in like a violence way i don't want anybody to think that it has its place it it does have its place Mm -hmm. it creates the amount of incentive that's needed for change to be created right there's a there's a place for sure Mm -hmm. but if you can calculate when that place is appropriate when it's not you can stop overstepping these boundaries because that's what i think my wife's the opposite she's so good at breaking it down Mm -hmm. And like kind of staying calm in the moment and then yeah. like being like, okay, so she does the process thing, right? Talk about a fucking analytical. <laughs> she does the process thing. What made you think this wasn't a good idea? Mm-hmm. You know, it's very calm. And then they, they start expressing it and I'm like, you see how that's not really a good idea? And we're like, ah, yeah, I do. I do see that. And it's like, yeah. okay. She got there without any yelling, without any crying, without any emotions, right? Whereas there's me who's like, I can't even form sentences. Yeah. I get so fucking explosive. Mm. Right. And, uh, and it's funny because I, I really like, I literally will walk away from me yelling and go, I'm pretty sure I've made up words just now. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't even know if half of them were words. Yeah. And that sentence made no sense. Mm-hmm. And so then I have to go back when I'm calm and just be like, look, here's what I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm, I'll raise my voice sometimes, but it's rare, but I, I react too quick. Yeah. I, it's, and like the whole headphone thing, I took his headphones. I'm like, these are gone. And he walked out of the room. My wife called me out on my shit, which that's important too. Having <laughs> someone's going to call you out on your bullshit. I hire people just to do that. Yeah. You, people, people need it. And when she did, I was like, ah, oh, shit. So a little bit later, I was like, all right, dude, you're, you can have your headphones back. I overreacted. And then the next day he was making jokes about how I'm an overreactive dad, you know, which is true. Sometimes, sometimes I am, but yeah, it's, it's cool though. Parenting or coaching or training. It's all, as long as they still have, you got to hold the respect, you know? Yeah. And which means you have to give it. To and them. when you feel disrespected by anybody, it's not a good feeling. And there's ways to lose that respect even Look further too. word first though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you want to talk about core values. I said, compassion, accountability is probably my number one. Mm-hmm. just because so many people aren't fucking using it. Yeah. Just, yeah. If you put yourself in the position of a mentor versus a parent, you have to be accountable. So you're like, well, if I wanted a mentor, it wouldn't be that person. It wouldn't be me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I need to be that person, you know? <clears throat> yeah. It's a, I mean, I, I tell all my coaches when you don't see a result, you're the fucking problem. Figure yeah. it out. Like, I mean, you can bring it to the table. Don't feel afraid to ask me for help or whatever, but recognize first that you are the problem because a lot of coaches, personal trainers be like, Oh, well they didn't put in the work. It's like you were supposed to get them to put in the work. Mm-hmm. So what did you do wrong? Yeah. That's <laughs> the purpose of a, you get a negative NCOER. Yeah. It's like, Oh, we can't, you can't fucking qualify expert and marksman. That's because you fucked him. You yeah. Didn't fuck himself. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I don't know from the active duty side, but from the guard side, I felt like that was one of my biggest frustrations, the lack of accountability from low to high. 
I mean, high was always like a little more skilled at it. They could always like the really high was like fucking great at it. They'd be like, it's my fault. I did something wrong, but they would punish you because that's how they know they're going to be like, I'm going to train this person to do it right. And it felt like punishment, but ultimately they're trying to teach you. Right. And, and I could see that, but then like, what was so frustrating for me in the guard is that I was often tasked with all the responsibilities of an E5, which is a sergeant, right? Um, including to the extent of everything that a sergeant does, which is standing in the formation at the sergeant's rank and delegating tasks to your team and everything, right? And I was never paid for that because it was just doing my duty, right? And the problem was I was very responsible adult. I owned a business at this point. So I was taking a lot of my leadership skills into the, the military career. And I mean, the biggest problem with the national guard in my particular, uh, Avenue was in order to get promoted, there had to, like somebody either had to die or ETS or get promoted. So the slot became available when it comes to the E5 and up. So I was literally just, I was, I've been, I was an E4 the whole time, no. six years. So it's kind of like, I, here I am sitting at an E4 the whole time, crushing PT, like maxing out PT tests, which is mainly the thing that people that holds them back from promotions. I'm crushing that. I'm crushing every test. I'm always accountable. I'm always listening. I'm always doing the right thing. I'm always in the right place, right time, right uniform. And, you know, it was easily seen. I would get all the verbal confirmation that I was doing the right thing, but I couldn't get the promotion. And so then when it comes time to ETS, they're doing everything they can to keep you, right? Because retention's a huge, huge thing. They're like, hey, you want to come to Mongolia with us for two weeks? Like nobody else is getting this opportunity except for you. And, and But you have to extend your ETS by one month. They were only trying to get me to stick around for a fucking month. They weren't even asking for a year. They thought that if I did that in a month, they could probably hook me up with another thing. You know what I mean? Like get yeah. me to fall in love with the job or whatever, which they might've been right, but it was like that one month was also when my child was supposed to be born. So it was highly inappropriate. Although I would have taken it if that weren't the case, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, although it was always hard to do military stuff when you own a business, super hard. It became like, I became torn because it was like, I have to dedicate myself fully to this business because that's my life. Now it's my life. It's my well being. I'm one of the few, there's more, it's more popular now, but I'm one of the few CrossFit gym owners here that that's it. I don't have a supplemental income of any sort. That's my job. I need to make a living off of it. Mm-hmm. And there's not that many out there. Most of them have a side gig, full time gig, a uh, partial job. You know what I mean? And that's not me. And now I'm proud to say that most of my coaches, that's not the case either. This, they want to be coaches. That's their job. And I'm trying to get it to where their job can be a full-time commitment without sacrificing everything, their fucking family. And Mm -hmm. because that's what I had to do, you know? And if I can, I can help mentor these people get through that struggle faster than what I had to deal with. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I probably went on like a million tangents right there, but that's, uh, accountability is just so fucking vital to our culture and it's, Everybody will talk about it and not live it. And it's, it's sick. It's, mm-hmm. We got to live it. We got to live it every day. Then at least be aware, having the awareness that, mm-hmm. that you're not doing the right thing sometimes. Yeah. 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 
Well, Fuck yeah. we should probably wrap it up. Do you want to name your gym, social media, yeah, uh, all that good stuff? So, Principia Fitness is the gym. Um, so, you can find us on Instagram at Principia Fitness. And uh, I'm on Instagram as at the real white Iverson. There's some <laughs> underscores in there. And I want to put the disclaimer out. It's because my last name's Iverson, and there was a song called White Iverson. By Post Malone. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So, <laughs> so I want to make sure that that's out, so anybody's out thinking, like, I'm just, like, some white supremacist. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I need to change it again. But uh, the real White Iverson, because that's my fucking name. <laughs> like, the, the, white, the, the white is right, Iverson. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, and then I guess I mean website. We're on Cole and Franklin now. We used to be on Cole and Maple Grove. Um, we got a nice facility with bathroom showers, all that stuff. And we our goal is just results for everybody. So just make sure that you're coming in with knowing exactly what you want to achieve, because otherwise we're going to dig it out of you, and that can be a hard process sometimes.